What's up, y'all? It's GameFace169 in the house on Sifted Games at sifted.net. E3s are coming, just a couple of weeks away. We're going to start getting you guys hyped for the show, beginning right here, right now, on GameFace. We have a couple publisher previews to get you excited for the show coming up. Um, we're actually going to talk a little bit in general about the show. Yeah. Things are shaping up a little strangely right now, I think. And we're going to talk about that a little bit leading into one of the publisher discussions. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we announced the winners of our Loot Crate giveaway for May. Uh, you can find videos for that both on Sifted and on our Patreon page right now. I'm not going to spoil who won. I will say this, though. Initially, somebody won who had just won last month. Hmm. What The chances of that happening are astronomical. And somehow it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, how many people are involved or entered? Well, there's seven, like 72 are eligible. Mm -hmm. But the way we draw the numbers is like we draw the first digit of a number, then the second digit of a number, mm -hmm. and then we do it again for, for both of the crates that we give away. And somehow one person managed to win last month and this month. They're not getting it this month. You can, the rules say you can only win once per year. Mm -hmm. So we ended up giving it to someone else, but still pretty crazy that uh, their number came up. So... Anyway, if you're pledging 20 bucks or more to our Patreon every month, make sure you check out that video to see if you've won. Good luck. Um, what else? I don't know. We've got like eight topics on tonight's show. We have a big show, and I have a feeling if we don't get right into it, we're going to end up running way, way over tonight. So let's just go straight into it. Like I said, we're going to talk. Well, actually, we need a word from our sponsor first. Let's roll it. DeShazer Ryan Realty has been leading Northwest Montana real estate sales for over 30 years. It's family owned and operated with the knowledge to help you find your own unique piece of Montana. Visit DeShazerRyanRealty.com and there you'll find every property currently listed for sale in Montana. Or call 406-293-7706 and ask for Doug to get the ball rolling. Enjoy breathtaking mountain views of Montana on three and a half acres and less than 10 minutes from town. The property borders a county-maintained road with access to tons of wildlife. It's priced to sell at $39.9. If you aren't able to relocate to God's country, don't worry, sifters. Doug DeShazer specializes in finding you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live. He's facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. Feel free to email Doug with any questions at DeShazerMT at gmail.com. That's DeShazer Ryan Realty at DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring the show. Without them, it's not possible. So thank you very much. Also, support our stinking sponsors. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, there are links down in the description to DeShazer Ryan Realty's <laughs> website, phone number, etc. So make sure you check them out. Uh, Want to show support for the people who support us. And with that, let's kick things off. We're going to talk about Ubisoft at E3 2019. I have to say, amidst the storm of E3, which at this point is starting to look like a... <laughs> Bit of a tempest in a teacup. Yeah, it's, it's starting to look a little weird looking at E3. In fact, uh, the other day I looked at the floor plan for E3 2019. Sam, bring up that image. So this is the West Hall. The West Hall used to have Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, a couple third parties in it. And now you get Nintendo and the eSports Zone. Yeah, and the Unreal Garden. Yeah. 
Look at that, Matt. That is yep. crazy. You have Nintendo Sega. and Sega. Sega still hanging in there. Yep. You have Nintendo and Sega in that whole and hall. Oculus, which has been over on that side for a few years. Now. Yep. Yep, that is a whole bunch of stuff that used to be in Kensha Hall, or would have been in Kensha Hall in another And era. now is in one of the main halls of E3. Yep. College game competition. Yeah. Game, game spots in there. Yeah. Other than that, it's just a wasteland. I don't even see IGN. Yeah, I, was, I have not seen... I looked at the South Hall plan, too, and it, the South Hall is basically the same. Yeah. It's just all the big third-party guys. All the third parties minus EA and Activision, I guess, yeah. again. And I did not see IGN on the west or on, on the no. south floor plan either. Usually the media is all on west in West Hall. Yeah, I don't know if IGN has left the show floor. I don't know what's going on there. It's pretty weird. I mean, there are plenty of studios obviously in LA where they could go and do their thing, but mm -hmm. then obviously you're you're making the publishers and developers travel to you. Uh, and we we did that at GT for years. We were only about half a block away at LA Live though. Mm -hmm. But people still complained. They were like, what, we were leaving the convention center to go do something? Yeah. It's like, bro, it's a 100-foot walk outside the front. And they were still like, no. And people would show up late and be like, we couldn't find it. It's like, so anyway, if IGN is, is doing it off-site, good luck, because I've dealt with that already. And uh, our supervising producers who had to wrangle people were basically insane by the end mm. of, because you, you're doing live TV. And IGN is a stream, so it's not as quite high pressure as doing like live television. But when you're doing live television, you're waiting for the person to show up who drives the entire segment, and you're not a creative person, mm. you freak out. So I would be the one, and Jeff and I would set up everything and schedule everything, and then we would have to go and do our thing. Jeff would have to go do hosting duties or whatever. I would have to go do the coverage of the show. And we'd leave our producers at LA Live to handle all that stuff. And I just would get blown up all day. Like, where's this guy? Where's that guy? Where? And I'm like, by the time I would get a hold of them or email them and they'd reply, they were already there. It was a nightmare. So if that's what's I, what IGN is doing, I wish them good luck. I will say this, though. Despite what looks kind of dour at E3 this year, I think one publisher that is primed to have a big show is Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft announced last week during one of its financial reports that there are four unannounced games that are going to be shown at E3, uh, one of them that ended up becoming Breakpoint. So there's still three more, and, and this is Ubisoft's verbiage, not mine. There are three AAA mm. games that are going to be announced at E3 from Ubisoft. Um, any guesses on what those might be? Well, one of them is Watch Dogs 3, which Think? is not officially announced, but it's obviously coming. Yeah. It's taking Assassin's Creed's slot this year in probably October, November. Um, so, yeah, I would say one of them is definitely Watch Dogs 3. Uh, the other, one of the others seems to be probably the Splinter Cell game that's flying around as a rumor. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that last year, too, thinking it was going to be there, and it wasn't. Yeah, but now there's actual traction on that. It was just, so last year was more like we're just, we're just assuming that it's about time for a new Splinter Cell, but now there's actual active smoke. Yeah, I think a developer mm -hmm. maybe leaked something that it UB, was coming. UB leaks everything. Yeah, um, you're right. Everything does leak from UB. And then the last <laughs> thing, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the last, the fourth one would be. So let's start going down through. Like, part of me wants it to be like a Beyond Good and Evil 2 Q1 announcement, but that's already announced, it's so announced. that can't yeah, be that. Yeah, it doesn't count. We are supposed to hit the uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 beta this fall right they said we, yep. we get a late 2019 beta on that game uh okay so let's start going through the game splinter cell what are you looking for in a new splinter cell do you like the direction that they've been going make it a little more accessible 
Or do you think they should go back to the more hardcore stealth stuff from the early years I of mean, the franchise? I mean, the hardcore stealth era was fun and all, but like it was still kind of clunky and hard to maneuver. And some, there was a lot of disagreement between myself and the, and the game on what constituted a headshot. Um, what constituted being in or out of shade? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was... I don't really care about Splinter Cell anymore. So you completely like, lost your your yeah. for it. Like I, I like the more. The, Why the, is that? Because I find that the hardcore stealth era was a little more involved than I wanted to be, and the sort of more action gamey stuff relies too much on a story I don't care about. Um, I like Sam Fisher, I like, especially if Michael Ironside is back as him as he was in the the Wildlands DLC. Yeah, but um, a whole game of that, I don't know. It, it depends what it is. Like, they're going to have to come up with some new interesting stuff that doesn't involve just hiding behind, you know, chest-high walls yeah. for the whole game again. Um, I would say between the two of us, no one likes stealth games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will always agree with uh, um, Adam Sessler's uh, statement that, like, a bad, you know, most stealth games are bad, and bad stealth games tend to just be action games you play slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, good stealth games find a reason for, reason for the stealth gameplay to be fun in and of itself, as opposed to just sort of, like, you're too weak to f- take things on head-on. Um, it seems like it's, it's a genre that's so hard to get right. Just recently, yeah. uh, A Plague Tale Innocence released... And uh, people are praising it for its story and its characters, but it's just getting destroyed because the stealth gameplay is all janky and messed up. Yeah, sort of like the bad part is that you have to play it. Yeah. So that's never a positive thing. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, but uh, games like Thief or um, the good Metal Gears, like, find a reason for the stealth. You give you the opportunity to be creative in the stealth and and make the, the actual usage of stealth the fun part as opposed to, like, a punishment of like having to stay out of sight or you fail yeah that's how i feel most stealth in games is because there aren't that's the thing there aren't a lot of quote unquote stealth games anymore right stealth has just become a part of other genres right like sometimes they just make you sneak yeah like or like um or they just move away from it like the modern assassin's creeds like obviously you still have the ability to sneak up and assassinate people but in assassin's creed odyssey what happens you assassinate maybe two people in an outpost, and then, just... and then someone sees you, and you just hack them all up. Because yep. <laughs> it's like I could spend ten minutes sneaking around, killing all these guys silently, or I could just jump in like a crazy person and kill, kill everybody, everybody in one yeah. minute, like with my sword. And you know, yeah, it's just it's at a certain point there, there be, you be, you end up with like an efficiency question. Um, because it is a problem, and that's the problem with incorporating stealth into games that aren't stealth games. Is how do you? balance the enemies so mm-hmm. that you don't have that intuition to just go in guns blazing instead right. and, and you like, have to make the enemies like tougher to kill with a weapon in some way yeah and like the trick is that like well, you know splinter cell they're obviously going to be making this game as something that they want to sell millions and millions of copies right and you don't really sell millions and millions of copies of a pure stealth game anymore so you got to kind of action it up and um at that point, you're sort of relying on the brand to make me interested in it over all the other sort of action-y, shooter, stealthy games that are out there. And I don't know if Splinter Cell has that draw for me anymore. That's what was my next question. Like, do people care about this anymore? I think it's better. I mean, it was our generation's franchise, and yeah. it doesn't seem like our generation cares about it all that much. Are 20-something going to care? Not really. I it wouldn't think. I mean, it depends. It doesn't seem like it. 
It seems I mean, like I mean there's always the possibility that they're going to come up. It's like, oh, we've reinvented Splinter Cell, and it's totally different. Yeah, we got a whole possible. new idea. That's not really Ubisoft purview. No, it's not really how, <laughs> how they roll most of the time. But it's something yeah. that's been dormant this long. And also, like, um, I think you are going to get a pretty heavy reinvention with Watch Dogs 3. Because I, I, th I think they've been working hard on trying to figure out that series. You know, because like, I feel like they still haven't nailed it. Like, Watch Dogs 1 was sort of a mess... Yeah. Um, it was early in the gen. It was, you know, it was like the first next gen game we saw. It was sort of like almost like a playing a proof of concept demo that was stretched out to like a thirty-hour game. In a lot of ways, Watch Dogs Two sort of had some new ideas and some better ideas going on, but like it just never, it still never felt like it gelled. And I feel like the the long time break between two and three has had to be at least partially kind of going back to the drawing board and trying to figure out what works about this. How series. long has it been? What, I think I think two is twenty fourteen. I think it's was been like it? I think it's been like five years, if I remember right. I don't know. No. Yeah, I think it was twenty fifteen at least. <laughs> Sam doesn't seem to agree. No, I mean it. It, it had to come out after mm -hmm. Sifted launched, and we launched in June of twenty fifteen. Mm. Our four year anniversary coming up here in just a couple weeks, by the way, the which is hard to believe. But I know it came out. Uh, twenty fourteen was Watch Dogs one. Yeah. So, so twenty sixteen. Yeah. So three thought. years, which is still a year longer than you usually, usually yeah. takes for a sequel. Yeah, it's true. Um, so there is a possibility that uh, I mean, it's a good possibility that yeah. we're going to see Watch Dogs three. I that franchise certainly has more cachet than yeah. Splinter Cell. I would Cell bet. I would bet money on Watch Dogs three. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. It's it's too. If, obvious. if Ubisoft has three. Unannounced AAA games to show. One of them has to be Watch Dogs. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Beyond Good and Evil 2. We've been waiting for this game for forever. Mm -hmm. So we talked about three years for Watch Dogs 3, but it's yeah, well, been seems... like decades in the making. Well, this seems like probably like the third, maybe fourth iteration of this game. Yeah. yeah they've, they've Clearly, whatever that the game they teased with Paige inhaling the, the, the fly on the freeway in the desert, yeah. that's not this game. No, no. And I mean, we've, um, we have actually, I think there's even footage on our TriCaster of the first rev of yeah. this game. And the, the, like the, the footage with like Jade running around on building rooftops yeah. and stuff. It wasn't futuristic yeah. like it is now. It wasn't not set the, in not space. Not this game. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was set on whatever that planet was. Right. But, but it like, didn't look... It didn't look like this, you know, crazy space opera thing. Yeah. And this is, this is the initial trailer for it that we're seeing right now. Yeah, this trailer is like, what, like 10 years old? I think it is. Yeah, I mean, we can only find it in 720p. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 10 years old. <laughs> and uh, this, I think any concepts that were kind of floating around for this interpretation of it are probably gone. Yeah. Or like vague, I mean, maybe there's a desert and you drive a car in it and you could break down. I mean, but like... This seems like just like a thing they, they put together. I mean, to it like, looks like Earth. It looks like Joshua Tree. Yeah, well, I mean, so does Tatooine if you go to the right part part of the <laughs> planet. I mean, yeah. biomes Joshua are biomes. trees are very specific, though, obviously. But uh, they're alien Joshua trees. <laughs> they found the ugliest trees on planet Earth and decided to propagate their planet with it for whatever reason. Also, the most worthless trees on planet Earth. They don't really do anything. Except appear on YouTube album covers. Um, are you excited for this? Oh yeah. You like, think we're gonna get it this year? No. No. I mean, they said the the beta would be late this year, which to me says you know hopefully next year. Maybe Q one. Maybe Q one. Like I mean, the, the you know beta turnarounds have been that fast before, but at the same time, who freaking knows? I mean, I assume the beta is related to sort of that thing they're doing where they're 
they're incorporating so much like user-made content into the game, you know, where they did that thing with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like company, where everybody like kind of does art or like writing or whatever, and it all kind of comes together. It's like crowdsourcing stuff. Yeah. Um, I would guess that like a beta would kind of be testing that along with whatever online features they might have. Um, so I don't know. Like I would if it, if they're that far along, I would I would hope we'd see it next year, one way or the other. It would be a little silly to me to not put this in the fall. Yeah. Because I feel like it has a breakout hit potential. But It all depends on what else is going to be there in the fall. Yeah. Um, if, if they want to focus on... This uh, might be a game that's better in March, though. Yeah, if they want to focus on Assassin's Creed in the fall, then this might be a good spring release. Right. So. Also, because it's not a gigantic IP, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe if you have a little more breathing room there with not another a lot of other big games, obviously Sky High Review Score is kind of will solve everything. Um, but if this doesn't get a nine plus, where you slot it in could have a big impact on how much mm-hmm. it ultimately sells. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I think we'll get to see like a legit gameplay demo of it at E three though. Yeah, uh, they've had like some live streams where they showed off like whip footage, work in progress stuff. Uh, but we've never seen really the actual game being played with objectives and kind of everything all snapped together in there. So. I think we might at least get a canned demo of that, as we've learned from a lot of documentaries recently. What you see at E3 isn't always necessarily the game. Oh yeah. We learned that with For Honor. We learned that with Anthem. That there, you know, there's a lot of. And we should know it about Breakpoint. Yeah, probably as well. Yeah. Ubi is the king of that. That, Ubi is kind of the one that started it, really. The bullshot demo. Yeah. The nobody talks like this multiplayer exhibition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I'm really excited for this game. Uh, I really enjoyed the first one. It didn't sell worth the squat. Yeah. So I feel like this, in part, maybe uh, this largely doesn't matter if you like the first one or not. No, this it doesn't, because it's only tangentially game. related, really. Yeah. I mean, it's got you know pages in it, Jade's in it. It's some kind of prequel. I, f- I have a feeling that it's not just a prequel. I have a feeling that there's more to this than they're letting on, because I am kind of you know the original game ends on a cliffhanger, and I'm really hoping they're not going to darksiders this thing. Yeah, where they just never follow up on the ending of the original game for because I. That's another rumor flying around from THQ Nordic that Darksiders uh, Genesis is about to be announced, which sounds a lot to me like you're going back and telling the origin of the Horsemen instead of following up on Darksiders 1. Yeah, it does. But, um, yeah, I just hope that we get some kind of resolution or some kind of, like, exploration of the end of uh, Beyond Good and Evil 1 somehow. I don't, considering how big and, and expansive this looks like it's going to be, there's no reason that it couldn't cover a wide swath of time. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it looks like it's going to be another one of Ubisoft's gigantic open-world oh, yeah. open open, games. Open solar system, yeah. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. It's open worlds. Multiple open worlds. Yeah, plural. Uh, so I'm really excited to check this out. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, we've talked about that the mm. last couple weeks on the show. No, really, no need to really kind of recess that. Skull, of Bo- Skull and Bones... Delayed again. Yeah. You think that game's ever coming out? Yeah, probably. I mean, no release date now. By the way, no. They just completely were like, we're not even going to give one. But I, I would not be surprised if we didn't see anything until next E3. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it feels like feels like that's a back burner game somehow. We've already seen it at what two E3s? Yeah. It just seems like it's not necessary to their business plan right now. You know, it's it's like it's a gravy game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just like oh, it'd be cool to put this out. It'd be nice to have this kind of in the catalog. But if it doesn't come out right away, we're, we, we don't have any, like, part in the schedule that's desperately depending on Skull and Bones coming out. So yeah. 
and you know that's not bad. I mean, if if they're really letting that team work on it and get you know get it right or figure it out, I think like, that might good. be the problem though. Is the team that's working on it is not especially experienced. Yeah, well, better that than crunching them to death and putting out something mediocre. So we'll maybe see. they're crunching them to death anyway. And Could be. But... <laughs> we don't know. It's hard to crunch when you don't know what you're making. I mean, you watched the uh, documentary for For Honor, I'm assuming. Yeah. Ubisoft is not immune to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and For Honor does seem like it's probably the closest equivalent, just in the sense that they were sort of making something new out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of For Honor, perfect segue, what do you think about the chances of a For Honor 2? Um, now, probably not. Really? Not. I mean, they're still supporting the first one. They're still putting new stuff in the first one. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they necessarily need to move on. It's been right, two just years. Yet. Yeah, but it's also the end of a generation. For Honor Two is, should be next gen. Like if they're doing, I'm sure they're going to do a For Honor Two, but I think that's going to be a next gen game. I think you're looking at like the second year of next gen for that. I wonder if the team that made the first one wants to make another one. Well, I don't know After what, watching that documentary, I wouldn't want to make another one. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you've got the work done in terms of what it is and sort right. of the, the foundation. You have the right. concept down. Yeah, I, mean, I imagine aspect. For Honor went through a whole lot of iterations on what it needed to be on a really conceptual level. Oh, it did. I mean, so what was the guy's name? Vander something or other? Yeah, I can't. The guy, that awesome guy. Yeah. Like, have you yeah. watched the documentary? No, I I saw like somebody, people talking about it on Twitter, but I haven't watched it myself. It's great. So everybody should go watch this when you get like an extra hour or two. It's probably the best documentary on game development I've ever ever seen. Is it uh, Danny O'Dwyer? Is it No Clip? No, it was produced by some film company or whatever. It's like a two hour long, like it's the real deal. Mm. Like they shot it back when they were developing it and it took them all that long, all that time to cut it together and get it out. Uh, but what happens is the guy who was the face of this franchise, you guys all remember him, he walked mm-hmm. out on stage with a crazy cane and had really long hair. He was the perfect guy to rep the yeah. game. And it's I be- mean, he sh- he was, frankly, he could have repped the whole UB conference. Like, oh, the dude, right. the dude yeah. was just interesting to listen to. And in the documentary, he's equally interesting to listen to, but he gets shoved out. Yeah. That's basically what that whole documentary is about. This was his game, his concept. He pitched it. He sold it to Ubisoft. He sold it to the upper management. And then they get about halfway into the development of it, and he has nothing left to do. Like, they basically just took away all his responsibilities until, for mm-hmm. crunch time, he had nothing to do. He just showed up in the studio every day and was, like, moral support. It was, it's a great documentary. Like, I, again, I highly recommend everybody watches it. But after watching that, I mean, I might have to agree with you that seeing another For Honor now might be a bit far-fetched. Yeah, I think the fact that they're still pretty robustly supporting it, Marching, fi- Marching Fire isn't that old yet. Yeah. Uh, they've probably got another couple seasons in them on, this, on the first one. I Which don't means see, the I don't end of this reason. year, probably. Yeah, I don't see any reason to, to move on quite that fast. Maybe a teaser tease trailer could, or like, something. Back, I mean, Ubi's famous for like showing stuff that's like, oh, this is on next-gen hardware, but we're not admitting it. For Honor 2 could be that. Like, you know, I could yeah. see them doing something like that. If, like, like showing, like, crazy detail on the on the armor and stuff or, like, the environments or, like, particle stuff with, like, the, you know, thing, you know god rays and, and uh, you know, ray tracing and stuff like that. And, and maybe, like, even some, uh, um, you know. This so, first trailer so, is still so great, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. Just, I, so but I could good. definitely see you using For Honor 2 as, like, a, oh, here's what next-gen hardware is going to do sort of demo. Yeah. And we just don't see it for, like, two more years possible um they, they, they usually ub usually has something like that around this time like a little earlier than the hardware manufacturers would probably prefer but uh yep right about when or, people want to see or it. they're working with ubisoft yeah well, I, I, well, I remember that like sony wasn't super thrilled about the watchdogs reveal yeah um because i don't think they were quite ready for to, to 
do that yet. Yeah. But uh, it's also a wise move by Ubisoft usually because people are hungry for some kind of example, and they you know that doesn't that means that even if you're not interested in what Ubisoft shows as a game, you're interested in it as a hardware demo. So you're going to talk about it, look at it. You know, it's going to be a thing one way or the other. So that's a good way to sort of. Yeah, it's also a good way to promote a new IP. So that could be it could be something we've just never seen before. It could be that new AAA thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I think For Honor Two is a good next gen bet. Yep. Um, and then a couple more uh, stragglers to clean up. Avatar, shown at this point um, a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean it's not that that game's two years out, two and a half years out because the movie got delayed. So. I would not expect to see Avatar. That's the danger of making games based on films that aren't released yet. Well, it's also you're the, kind of at the mercy of when the film comes out. Well, it's also more the danger of uh, making a game for James Cameron because these movies have been in development for years. Yeah. Um, supposed to be December next year, got pushed to December 2021, uh, probably in part to coincide with Disney's new Avatar Star Wars alternating release year plan. Yeah. Um, but also because these, you know, these are complex things, and Cameron's trying to get them right because he's, you know, it's quite an act to follow, and he might have a new number one to knock off the the top of the charts uh, if Endgame continues to work its way up to the number one spot of all time, worldwide. But uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, Avatar two coming out twelve years after the first one is uh, <laughs> really not building on much momentum there, are no. you? <laughs> Yeah, you don't see that happen. Star Wars obviously had a huge lay- layoff. Yeah, but, but st- Avatar and Star Wars. No, it's not. <laughs> like Avatar is interesting in that it was such a giant hit and it had almost no impact on the culture. Yeah. Um, nobody talks about it. Nobody references it. Nobody quotes it. Nobody. It's like it's not a thing, really. Yeah. In the in the in the cultural mind. Um, so the question is kind of like, can you bring this back and make people care since the first movie was pretty much a theme park ride? Yeah. Um, you know, you went and saw it in 3D and it looked amazing and then you walked out of the theater and forgot about it. It was a roller coaster, basically. And, uh, now they're going to bet on, you know, 60 frames per second and, uh, you know, new 3D techniques and such, uh, you know, being like out of a draw again because, and who knows if that's going to work, um. If you treat it more and more like a theme park ride, the higher frame rate might be an advantage because that's sort of like how theme park rides work. Whereas like people have come pretty much rounded, audiences have pretty much roundly rejected the high frame rate thing for normal movies. Yeah. Didn't help The Hobbit at all. Definitely not. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's basically a CG film at this point, so it might not be as weird as watching live action. But uh, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like crazy to me that Ubisoft would sign on to make more games for it, but like the the main thing that concerns me about the game is that the first one was not particularly inspired. No, it's um, pretty. Uh, it was bad. And uh, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> you're being very kind. Well, it was it was kind of like, I mean, frankly, it was pretty similar to the movie in that regard. In the sense, <laughs> it's, like, it's like this is not a good game. It's not a good movie, but it sure is a cool world. Yeah. You know, and all you really need to do is nail the environment, and you're halfway there. Um, with the game, with, especially with the new game. So the we'll movie see. sequel doesn't have the benefit of being like a part of new technology, like the. Oh, first I think one it was. does though. Like if you're talking, about, if you can get it in those high frame rate things, I mean, I don't know if the, the new technology is going to help you at all. Right. But like clearly, it's going to be using. 3D you know, is something everybody could see. Though. Bleeding edge tech stuff and like, you know, cameras. I'm sure cameras got some new ideas in there somewhere. It's, it's going to be all underwater. It's it's a you know there's a lot of water stuff in this one. Uh huh. Um, Maybe, maybe why it's taking so long. Could be. Yeah. I mean, he... he That's but, hard work. But Cameron loves his water sh- stuff, so, yeah. yeah. Obviously. It's kind of his spiritual follow-up to the abyss in some ways. Yeah. Um, Kate Winslet said she learned to hold her breath for, like, six minutes for this movie. So, um... Oh, my God. I mean, he almost killed Ed Harris making the abyss. 
Did he? Yeah, there was because they shot it in a giant like nuclear reactor that they the, the the cooling tower that they they filled with water and like so they could go down deep enough that there wasn't sunlight. And um, there was a there's a scene where Ed Harris gets dragged along the ocean floor in in the suit. And while they were dragging him in, the, in one of the takes, like his hose is disconnected, and um, he was like, but every, nobody could tell because he was like flailing around. It's supposed to be he's flailing around because the, the character yeah. is supposed to be in danger, and he almost drowned. And finally, Damn. one of the rescue divers realized what was happening and came down and gave him like supplementary oxygen. But he he came real close. Damn. And of course, Cameron Cameron is a is a taskmaster on those. And he's just like, all right, take two, let's go. And like. <laughs> And Harris <laughs> and Harris is I think is on the on the, the DVD extras because there's no Blu-ray of the Abyss yet. What the hell? Um, or True Lies? That's weird. Um, but you, he tells us it's either that or an interview I saw where he basically says like the next morning he got up in his trailer, he woke up in his trailer, hotel room, or whatever, and he just sat on the edge of the bed and cried because he was yeah. so scared of going in. Go and I'm like, and, do it and again. I'm like. This is Ed Harris. That's Ed crazy. Harris is one of the Ed yeah. Harris is made of nails. Right. Like I like yeah. the dude is just <laughs> you look at him, he just looks like like the toughest guy you'd ever have to face. Like and like he he James Cameron made him cry. Yeah, he thought he was gonna die. Yeah, he, it's, That's it's what crazy. happens. And James Cameron didn't care. <laughs> yeah, He's like, he We did. gotta make a movie. Yeah. What's your life compared to my movie? You know, like it's so yeah, um, and it's also interesting to note that Kate Winslet after Titanic said that she would never, ever, ever, ever work with James Cameron. Yeah, that's what I thought. And now she's back. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever this thing is must be well, pretty interesting. Well, she's like ultimately. <laughs> somewhat. But I mean, she's got no shortage of jobs. Yeah, yeah. She didn't have to do that if she didn't want to. But, you know, whatever, whatever they're doing must have interested her in a way that uh, her other projects weren't. And like, you know, James, if there's one thing I've learned, no matter how unexcited about Avatar 2 I might be. Never bet against Jim Cameron. Oh yeah, like, for sure. That dude knows what he's doing, one way or the other. I hate to admit it, but it's true. He knew he knew enough not to direct Battle Angel Alita. Didn't <laughs> he? Mm-hmm. he did. Mm. Uh, the last straggler, and I think this really is a straggler, and a longest of long shot is Wild. Oh right, that game. Yeah, which <laughs> who knows? It just kind of shows up here and there. Yeah. Like they'll put out a new trailer just randomly. It's the new Beyond Good and Evil two. And he, yeah, he just did an interview like six months ago. He's like, "Oh, I'm still working on it." Yeah, I'm sure it'll come along one year. Yeah, someday. who knows? I don't think this is the year. probably not. <laughs> like they got a big enough slate that I don't think yeah. they need that. But and I would hope he's focusing on Beyond Good and Evil. But yep, uh, I don't think Wild's dead. I think I think it's I don't just, either. I think I think it's just sleeping. Yep. Hibernating. Hibernating, yes. There you that's go. better. Uh, so that's Ubisoft. I think Ubisoft yeah. has a chance to have a great E3. It'd be a solid li- it should be a solid lineup. Yeah. yeah. Regar- I mean, no doubt, I think it's going to yeah. have a solid lineup. You think we might... Well, no, that would be a Nintendo thing. Just like if you see like some new... Another like collaboration. Like Rabbids 2 or something. Not Rabbids 2, but another collaboration with It's Nintendo. actually possible that we see Rabbids 2. At, U- at Ubisoft's presser. It is. I mean, that's kind of the angle we didn't really talk about is what, what UB's going to do for Switch, and it is one of Switch's best third-party mm-hmm. supporters, so I wouldn't be surprised if something... Yeah, I, would, I mean, I would prefer to see something new than a sequel to Rabbids, but... Uh, what if Ubisoft does a Star Fox game? I'm into it. I'm, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love uh, Starlink, Yeah. Uh, and you give those guys a Star Fox game, I'm totally in. And, you know... It, obviously, it would sell a lot better than Starlink did. Oh, yeah. And it would sell better on one platform than Starlink did across all of them. Probably. I mean, I think Starlink almost did that already. Yeah. The Switch version was like some ridiculous percentage of sales. Compared to everything else. So yeah. I think that would be a wise choice. Yeah. Certainly, it would probably end up being the best Star Fox game since Star Fox, Star Fox. 64. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the, Star Fox 64 is really the last one I would call I love Star really Fox. Really great. I've played that game literally, I think, over 100 times. 
It is really short, but yeah. But yeah, it just, it's one of those games that's just fun to just keep playing over and over, and you don't get many of those anymore, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dying breed. It certainly wasn't Star Fox 2. Nope. <laughs> As we all found out. CUA didn't release that for 25 years. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Epic Game Store. I think we've talked about it at least twice in the last like two months since it launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going through some growing pains, Matt. It is trying to... Go from zero to 60 mm-hmm. in one second instead of going through the growing pains that other marketplaces go through organically yeah, it's, it's trying and to go learn from, from. It's trying to go from Steam 2004 to 2010 in one year, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Which is, there's a reason it took Steam like six years. And as everybody knows, one of Steam's biggest brands, honestly, is the Steam sale. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think mo- the majority of people spend the majority of their money on Steam during the Steam sales. And mm-hmm. everyone knows this. Epic obviously knows this as PC gamers. So it tried to do its first version of the Epic Game Store Spring Sale and fell on its face. Um, It appears the, the... So what happened ultimately is that several games were pulled down from the service. The biggest one and the one that's made the most waves is Borderlands 3. Mm -hmm. Which happened after Randy tweeted that you could go get it in the sale. Yeah. I don't think this was his fault. This no, time. I think this is one thing that yeah. was not his fault, no. actually. But, <laughs> but so Epic has said its biggest problem was communication. But the biggest, the most high-profile game that was involved in it was Borderlands Three, mm. and ultimately, what's come out through the wash over the last couple of days is that Epic did a bad job communicating how things were going to work to the publishers. The publishers, in my opinion, didn't do its due diligence either. And ultimately, the, re- the reason the games were pulled from Epic Game Store is because they didn't want the games discounted at all. Mm-hmm. At least from the case of 2K, they're like, wait a minute, Borderlands 3 is our biggest game for the next 12 months. Also, it's not even out yet. Uh, yeah, like, it's not out. I mean, all, most of the games involved in this aren't out yet. Um, like, I, would, I normally don't expect like a Steam sale kind of thing to apply to pre-orders. Yeah, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You could go and you could buy Borderlands 3 for $10 off before it even came out. As a pre-order, you could get it for $10 cheaper. and I can definitely see why 2K would be kind of like, wait a minute. Yeah, because you're devaluing that game before it even comes out. Yeah. I mean, the good news is people were able to buy the game for $10 less. And Epic Game Store is going to honor that price. The other part of it, too, that's a little strange is that Epic all along was going to pay the 10 bucks to 2K. Mm-hmm. So 2K wasn't going to lose money on the sale it was upset about the perception. The value perception. Yeah, that the game, that their game is not worth the full $60 yeah. asking price. And ultimately, they pulled it down. There were the, the, the way Epic communicated with the community and with the press was all messed up. Nobody knew what was going on is the crazy part about all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, the, people couldn't get quotes from 2K. They couldn't get quotes from Epic. Finally, Epic and 2K got together and kind of figured out what the whole problem was, and then they sort of released statements about it. Um, and so they took it down. Uh, they are honoring anybody who purchased the game at the cheaper price, but they took it out of the sale for good. It's, it did not return back to the sale for $10 cheaper. The next game, and actually I think the first game that was the problem, but not as big as Borderlands 3, was Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines Yeah, this 2. is the first one I heard, heard that about. This, was the, this is what the story broke on. Mm-hmm. And same deal with them. They were like, wait, we're bringing this brand back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And 
and people are automatically assuming now that it's like not worth the full asking price. And, yeah, like, and, and like you can get people who are like, oh, I, I missed the ten dollar off thing, so I'll just wait till it's cheaper again and not buy it at full price when it comes out. Like, yeah, I can see why the optics are not something that you know you want as a full priced game that's not out yet. Yep. Especially what I mean, Vampire's not out for another almost a year. Like I they're, know. they're saying March next year. I mean, it was just announced. Real early. It was just announced yeah. like two months ago. And, and like a month and a half after it's announced, you can buy it for $10 cheaper. Yeah. yeah. It's quirky. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like... Like, I get what Epic was trying to do, but like there's a reason that pre-orders are included on Steam sales. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, very strange. And it's also weird that like... Ep I mean, it's not like Epic hasn't published, put out their own games. Like, I know. It's not like they don't understand what those optics are. And it's also like... It's not like it hasn't sat back and watched Steam sale after Steam yeah. sale after Steam sale. <laughs> Do you ever ever remember getting a pre-release game on a Steam sale for ten dollars off? No, no, like it just—it is always an individual like by the choice of the publisher. It's usually like a more indie thing. It's yeah. Like, hey, if you pre-order, it's like five bucks cheaper. If and then when you buy it when it comes out. Yeah. So because they want the pre-orders, they want to lock you in in that like last month run up to the release. So they all the games involved in this were not pre-release AAA games. Mm. There were a couple indies involved. One of them was Oxygen Not Included. The other one is Hades, which is Supergiant's game, Greg mm -hmm. Kasavin's studio. Uh, they, the game had been put up initially on the sale for like $10, and it was retailing for $14.99 at the time. And then I guess Supergiant realized, wait, that's way too cheap. We don't want to sell the game for that little. And they pulled the original sale and took it out of the sale, and it went back to $20. They started asking for $20 for it initially, and then like the next day, jacked it up to 25. Hmm. And Greg Kasavin put out a statement. He's like, it was our plan all along to sell Hades for $25. Normally we would tell you guys about this well in advance, but with all this crap happening, it was just kind of the perfect storm. And we just decided to, when we changed the price, to put it at its final price. Now Hades has been in early access. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a full release yet, but it is coming up very soon. And I think just in preparation for that, Supergiant was like, well, you know what? Mm -hmm. Let's just set the price at what we're going to charge for the final version right now. And the whole thing was just a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, just from top to bottom, whether you're talking about big budget developers or indie developers. And it's also interesting in, in the sense that, like, um, for all the complaining that the, com the community or the, or the players might do about the Epic Store, this is the first thing the Epic Store has done wrong that's going to affect you know, where the rubber meets the road, where, yeah. the, where the developers, the publishers have to deal with stuff. Now that the bloom might be off that rose a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange because you get conflicting information. So there was also a story that broke this week about an indie developer who had run out of money mm -hmm. and is for, he was working on the game called Kine. He'd run out of money and was just about to sell out to a publisher and Epic came to him and said, hey, if you make it a, a timed exclusive on our service, we'll help. And so that guy in particular loves Epic Game Store. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, I still have control of my IP, and the game's getting finished, and it's going to be better than it ever would have. Yeah, well, let's see what happens if they arbitrarily drop the price on the game That's one day. That's true. So. That's true. That's a good point. Before it even comes out. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, I try to stay balanced and yeah. point out the good stuff that's happening. It's not like it's, it's, like it's going like, to, like, doom them or anything, but it's like, yeah. you, you're, they're mortal now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. That's a good, good way to put it. Because they were kind of like this yeah. unicorn. Like, they're doing everything right. They're doing everything like, everything Yeah, it's just a goat with a horn on its head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, still, look, publishers, developers are still getting a better cut from Epic Game yeah. Store. Uh, Epic has not stopped, despite the blowback from the community. 
Epic has not stopped signing exclusive games to yeah. Epic Game Store. Uh, it seems like every week another three or four are announced. Well, Steam hasn't, you know, hasn't responded. Set the, set the same deal as they have. Yep, so. and it's going to keep happening until Steam does do that. So, um, and I'm pretty sure that what they did that because they know they're never going to have to. You know, Steam's never going to do that. Probably not. Yeah. Do you think that this story was blown out of proportion because people are just kind of looking for chinks in the armor for I mean, Epic Game Store? A little bit, but it's also like it is still really weird. Yeah. Like it's. Like, it's just the, even if you, like, whatever with the pricing or the, this or that or what's included in a sale or whatever, even if you leave all that aside, the communication breakdown is concerning. It is, yeah. So, like... Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's definitely newsworthy in that regard. Especially when you start to think about, okay, this is a new service that's small right, right. now. And as it starts to expand, is Epic going to invest the money it needs to make right. sure that it's run the way it's supposed to because mm -hmm. it hasn't so far obviously because if you don't they have enough checks and balances in place yeah and you could fall in the same pitfalls as steam or entirely new pitfalls that we never even saw with steam yeah so it could be a, a bumpy ride which is weird because every company i've ever worked at when the economy was in good shape it was bloated meaning yeah. there were people that i worked with that did basically nothing they had one task that they had to do every week. They showed up to that one meeting and literally did nothing. The rest. And it's very typical. My wife at her job, same deal. There's people there who just show up and maybe they don't even show up, but they're making huge bank and they're not really doing anything. This is the opposite. Like this is, this is epic being understaffed and not having enough people to keep mm -hmm. track of what was going on and not enough people to communicate out to his partners what it's doing. Yeah. And you, you got it's a bad luck. You got that Fortnite money. You can you can hire some more folks. Absolutely, don't be cheap. Now it's not that, especially when you're launching a new service like this. Right now is the worst time possible to be cheap. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, Epic learned a hard lesson here, and it should have. Um, and it's going to make some changes internally to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because yeah. if it happens again. That's when it's not a, a mix-up. That's when it's a pattern. Right. Well, it's like, what is it? Uh, um, once is luck, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. Pretty much, so, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what the summer sale looks like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have a, a sneaking sub suspicion that it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think they might send a few emails first. Yeah, I think time. they might. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't come down too hard on Epic Games Store for I mean, it's this, growing but... pains to some degree, but I think it's, it was it, it, it was a huge gaffe. It's, it's definitely newsworthy. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about something else that was really surprising that came out this week, and that is that the Call of Duty machine uh, threw a rod mm. uh, in the last week or so. So... Sledgehammer's game was supposed to come out next year. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, right now Call of Duty is on a three-developer cycle. Yeah. So, so essentially... This, this year's Infinity Ward. Yep. There's three studios working on Call of Duty games, and they all get three years to make them, which mm -hmm. is a big shift from what it was before, where there were two studios and they had two years. Yeah. So they tossed Sledgehammer into the mix along with Infinity Ward and Treyarch, and then everyone got three years to make a game, which made all the games better. Um, and... Honestly, it managed to kind of give a different flavor to each release as well. Yeah, it more or less worked. Yeah, it worked. I thought it worked great. Uh, but something happened to Sledgehammer. I mean, well, not just Sledgehammer, because this one, the 2020 game was re reportedly, uh, they were kind of giving Raven a bit of the lead on this one. Okay. Um, those two team up generally. They, yeah, those are usually involved. Raven's been doing like basically multiplayer support for yeah. and level design support for the Call of Duty games that Sledgehammer makes for a long time. Yeah. And, because um, almost every development company that Activision owns has just been shifted into being like some kind of 
called Surrogate. Call of Duty <laughs> Factory. Yeah. Poor High Moon Studios. Yeah. I used to love the stuff they made. But anyway, um, so the Raven Raven was supposedly taking a little more of a leadership role on this one, from what I read, and it it's not anymore. Yeah. So so it's been a it's a full replacement, right? Like so Treyarch is just stepping in. Here's what's happening. So Treyarch is going to release Black Ops Five next year. Which presumably was 2021's right. plan. So a year earlier. So yeah. Treyarch is going back to his two-year cycle for Black Ops. But in order to get it done in time, according to reports, the campaign that was supposed to be in Raven and Sledgehammer's game is now going to be in Black Ops. Which, to me, makes no freaking sense at all. Unless Black Ops was not going to have a campaign again. Which is possible, yeah. because the last one didn't. Right. Instead, it had Blackout. Um, so Black Ops 4, no campaign. So maybe people are like, oh, I don't miss it anyway, because it, they didn't have it in the last one. So it looks like... And Activision, this one is supposed to be more like like a Vietnam era thing? Like a... like a, a, a Cold War Cold era. Cold War thing? Yeah. It's what it's supposed to be. I mean, you could do a Black Ops twist on that oh yeah Although i mean that's it would be kind a, of it'd be kind of a retread it that's what i'm saying it's right in the wheelhouse so much so that it's almost like yeah they're, they're making just, the you know, game just don't frame it with a number station again and you probably won't make it feel too repetitive <laughs> that's pretty funny um what do you think about this wow i don't care uh but well, yeah, um, you're not i mean i don't really play player. these games I, i'm a little surprised that they there was a campaign at all like yeah. I, I thought moving forward like they'd probably let infinity ward do a campaign this year because that's sort of like what they do. And then, like, moving forward, they just sort of straight up go platform with it, you know? Yeah. Because um, that certainly seemed to be what Black Ops 4 was sort of testing the water for. And eh, right as he jumps in the water. <laughs> and um, uh, and it seemed to be pretty successful. Yeah. Um, the question of whether you can charge for a Battle Royale mode notwithstanding. Um, what happened here, I have no idea. Um I mean, not that not that I ever considered the Sledgehammer stuff to be up to par with the Treyarch stuff, but like to completely Treyarch is the best Call of Duty to completely. In my opinion. I mean, I think the best was the original team of Infinity War. Sure, but but now left there. Yeah. yeah, now it's more of that's more of a skeleton crew. Yeah, because uh, most of the there was a big brain drain for respawn when they when that yep. happened. So, um, yeah, I would say Treyarch. Uh, whatever it's worth is uh is the, the the top dog in the in the call of duty world right now um and i do i do appreciate the, the that they can just be like oh you're early yeah sure we can do that like <laughs> we'll, we'll just they're that sure. good though yeah i mean they i mean I've they know what to, they're doing i've talked I mean, to mark lamia and he said with their three-year cycle he's like we still got the game done in two years we just had a year to polish, polish it up it, yeah yeah which makes a huge difference yeah um so let's, let's see if that extra year of polish time helps the Avatar 2 game. That's true. I do we, find we it... did get the best X-Men game ever from a situation like that, where Wolverine Origins got delayed a year, the movie. Uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine got delayed a year, and so right. Ra Raven, also Raven, That's right. got to, pol <laughs> got to polish uh, that game. It was done in time to release, and Raven got a year of polish time on that game, and uh, Wolverine uh, Origins is was not amazing. Bad. It's, it's a great God of I don't War know if I'd clone. say amazing, but it was... For an X-Men game, it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that, definitely. <laughs> I think what strikes me the strangest, though, about this whole thing is that you're going to put your name on a campaign that you didn't create? At this point, it's such an assembly line. I wonder if they even care. I've never heard of anything like this happening in the industry before, ever. Um, 
I don't know, like internal stuff does tend to kind of flow back and forth here and there. Um, do we ever? But re- taking one studio's campaign and tacking it into or onto yeah. another studio's game. I mean, you're sort of tacitly admitting that these th- these games are interchangeable. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's not like we didn't know that. Yeah, um, and it has become kind of that way over the last. That's why I like years. Infinite Warfare so much is because it didn't feel like like the last five Call of Duty game it's campaigns. True. Yeah. Um, and then it didn't sell, so we're never getting that ever. Yeah, again. yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no way that uh, that they're making the sequel to this. It's not happening. No, no. It's just not. I love it, but... Uh, How about Kit Harrington being in there? Yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. It's really, it's still weird. Like, the, the celebrities in these games freak me out. To some yeah. Degree. Just because the, the likeness is so good, but also because, like, they're so recognizable. It's like... Well, they pick the well, biggest. Like, you're yeah. dying on, a, on an alien planet, and I'm just like, what's Jon Snow doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like, why is Kevin Spacey in a military jeep? Like, it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like anyone but Kevin Spacey. In that. I don't remember Kevin Spacey ever being in a military movie. I don't think I've ever seen no, him in that a, setting. No, it was an odd choice yeah. for him. I mean... Somebody uh, on the team was now, like, I love like, Kevin Spacey. Now they won't touch now him. Now they're like, oh, no. <laughs> now they're trying to, like, get his likeness out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> But it is interesting. Uh, do you think the quality of next year's game is going to suffer for it? Um, I mean, the the part that really matters is probably the multiplayer. Yeah. And Treyarch is such a pro at this by now that I'm sure it'll be fine. Think think um, uh, Battle Royale will be a part of the package you pay for? Maybe. I, I don't, don't know. I don't. I don't know how like you can keep doing that. For, uh, I mean, they're already doing. Who knows if it's three months a... for Blackout? Yeah. Like a month. You can play it for a month. I mean, I would free. think Blackout would just going to become its own separate platform. Yeah, it should. Like a free-to-play platform. And they call it, what you're paying for with Call of Duty every year is just going to be the multiplayer, standard multiplayer, and the uh, campaign. And maybe you get some cosmetics for Blackout or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe the campaign comes back as a regular thing after this, just in the sense that, like, you know, the, they were testing it as, like, oh, maybe if we just put Battle Royale in, that's all we need to sell this as a full-price game to people. But I think... You know, Apex Legends threw a, threw a monkey wrench into that if it was even working in the first place. Yeah. Um, it's, it's ironic because, I mean, they did beat Battlefield to that punch. Yeah. In a way that, when was the last time you heard anyone mention Battlefield's Battle Royale mode? That's because it came out, it came like, out months, too, too months too late. afterwards. Well, then yeah. it also came out right alongside Apex Legends from the same company. Publisher, yeah. And it's like, you know what, you know, hell, I'll take putting somebody else's campaign in my game over having one of our our, our own in-house developers beating me at my own Cannibalizing game. Yeah. my own game. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. Like, it's it would be interesting to see what happens. It's, it's weird how Call of Duty is like this, both a juggernaut and also an afterthought. Yeah. In kind of the, the core gaming news for the, world. For Otaku, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the hardcore gamers don't care about Call of no, Duty. it's the Wildlands thing where it's like the people that make that a multi-million seller are people that would never even bother to talk about video games on on the internet. They would, yeah, they would it's definitely never watch Game Face. It's just not who they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. The it looks like the roadmap for Call of Duty is looking a little bumpy. Although we should get a look at Infinity Ward's new game here yeah. in just a couple weeks. Supposedly Modern Warfare Four. Yeah. Um, I did not like Modern Warfare Three very much. I didn't either. Um, but I'll, we'll take a look at it. Do you it. care about the characters in that franchise anymore? I don't even remember who the, yeah. I mean, I, I care about the characters in like one and two. Like I remember, you know, Captain well, Captain three, Price. it kind of wraps it all up. Right. But I, I never even finished three. I just, it just left me ice cold. Yeah. I loved one and two. I love Modern Warfare one and two. Oh yeah. And, sure. um, I, I, I just didn't care. And there was Ghost, which Ghost and soap most people and, agree. No, uh, I mean the game oh, called God, Duty. Yeah, <laughs> not, the, not the character. Yeah. yeah. But, uh. 
I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, but I'm more curious to see if they do a remaster of two as part of the package like uh, they did with Mortal Kombat 1. Because yeah. I would definitely be in, in for that because yeah, I, I sure. like Modern Warfare 2 a lot. Yeah, it's amazing. I think I gave it like a 9.3 at GT or yeah. something like I that. Def- I gave it a 5. Uh, or did, did I review? No, I reviewed f- 1. I reviewed Modern Which Warfare, definitely got a 5. Which I, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I think Modern Warfare 2 was Abby. Because that was the one where you went. Was it? No, that was Black Ops. Black Ops is where you get the the helmet yeah, with the helicopter yeah. and everything. Yeah. I think I did do Modern Warfare too. Did you? Yeah. Cause it was like in a, it was in like a ho- like a hotel resort place down in like Long Beach or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did that one. Um, it was fun. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love those ga- those two games. And then Infinity Ward kind of splintered Splinter. and became Respawn, and that was sort of the like. There's a feel that those guys have when they make their games and. Uh, Titanfall 2 has it, and Modern Warfare 3 doesn't. Yep, that's true. So that was one of, I mean, Titanfall 2, even aside the quality of the, of the story, I love Titanfall 2's campaign just because you could tell you were playing a game by the guys who made Modern Warfare 1 and 2. Yeah. And, like, those guys, they just have a sense of timing and pace and feel, and it just all works. Surprise. Yeah. Like they just Their kinda... games generally have something in them where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, something just... happens at some point. If either the, slip, the script gets flipped or just... Something happens narratively, or they make you do something in the game you don't want to do. Yeah, there's that moment of like, whoa, did you just do that? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no I just did are. that because you told me to do that. And now I yeah. feel dirty, but... Well, that's more Spec Ops, the yeah, line. that's true. But, uh, yeah. Like the nuke in Modern Warfare 1 is like, oh, you, oh, we didn't make it. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because like now it's kind of a cliche in shooter yeah. campaigns, but at the time, like no one had ever... Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, it was good stuff. They created the modern first-person shooter. They did. Absolutely. I mean, so. even before that with Allied Assault, like Allied Assault was a revolution in how you presented stuff in a cinematic way, yep. especially in the, in the wake of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Like that whole, that whole kind of multimedia conversation that started with Saving Private Ryan in terms of how we depict World War II and just sort of combat in general and then moving through that and what they did there and then like the, the you know 9/11 sort of changing everything in terms of how the pop culture like kind of digests military like, and then like Modern Warfare 2 sort of crystallizes all of that at once like man there's there's a documentary in that I'll tell you that yeah, much for sure. if somebody wants to make that yep so looks like a bumpy road for Call of Duty maybe a dissertation yeah yeah absolutely looks like a bumpy road ahead for Call of Duty um you can only rely on one studio so much to save your ass. Yeah, um, although Treyarch hasn't let them down yeah, yet. That's true. I mean, it, it keeps delivering over and over again. But yeah, no matter what happens with the other ones and how disappointing people seem to get, like the Treyarch ones seem to bring it all back around. So. Somehow, some way. I, look, I just played... Keep coming up with funky-ass shit like every single day. <laughs> I didn't, me. Uh, <laughs> I just played Black Ops 4 on Saturday for like four hours. So much drama in the COD. <laughs> Yeah, I just played Black Ops 4 for several hours on Saturday. Like, I was waiting for my wife to get ready to go, and I was like, I'll play a match or two, and then she decided she didn't want to leave, and I ended up playing it for four hours. So, Treyarch, still, in my opinion, the best Call of Duty developer. We'll see if they can pull uh, this game up by its bootstraps and make it something worth playing. Uh, Another big story this week, Sony. uh, PlayStation, I guess. I don't even know if it's Sony or PlayStation, because... There's a distinction there. We're going to talk about a oh, topic yeah. a little later where there is a distinction there. Well, they form their own production company, basically, like internal production company that most likely is it kind of answers both the Sony Computer Entertainment and the Sony Pictures division. 
Um, and the object is to bring PlayStation properties to, to film, film and television. And Good luck. I don't know if you remember this or not, but Sony did this at the launch of the PlayStation 4. It started this whole media division that was supposed to create original content for PSN. Mm-hmm. And they got out one like terrible like reality gamer TV show yep, that, that nobody cared about, and then they dissolved the they division. Had, they had powers as well. They did powers. They yep. did a couple of things, but that was also terrible. Yeah. Also, like not a, not just a bad show, but one of the worst adaptations of anything I have ever seen. As someone, <laughs> as someone who was a fan of that comic, yeah. like I was stunned at how much they missed the. I mean, they. Zack Snyder level missed the point <laughs> of of what that comic was, uh-huh. and it's, to the point that it's like I don't know if you even really needed to license that comic to make that. You show. just wasted the money on the license. Like, like yeah. Powers doesn't have a, a a lock on the trademark for like superheroes and cop procedurals. Right. I mean, yeah. You basically just and, and like the, nothing was similar to what was. I mean, there was it was like a it was like it was like watching somebody like put a jigsaw puzzle together wrong. It was weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't have a lot of faith, faith. in this. No, um, and so I did some research for this topic, and I started looking back at Sony Pictures, and they haven't had a hit. No. In forever. Sony Pictures. I mean, Sony Pictures hits are the Marvel movies that Marvel Studios makes for them. And like, 007. And 007, yeah. But like uh, you know, the Spider-Man movies, the Spider-Man MCU movies, which are you know, Marvel Studios makes them, Sony Publishes takes all the money, distributes, they distribute yeah. them, and they market them, which is why the trailers for the Spider-Man movies are so bad compared because Sony's trailers since Men in Black one in back in '97 or so uh, have basically always been coming soon to a theater near you, the following plot. And uh, to the point that some of those, some of the trailers for some of their movies, especially Amazing Spider-Man Two, it's the whole story. It ruins the it's whole. It's the story. whole. Sto- I mean, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2's trailers include the final shot of the film in it. Right. I mean, it, it, so uh, Sony desperately wants a decent hit. They have Venom. You know, Venom was a surprise. Was that a hit? Made eight hundred million dollars. Did it? Venom made more money than any X Men movie ever Damn. has. Venom was a huge. It hit. did not deserve it. Venom and Star-, Star is Born both came out like the same weekend or like or one week apart. I think it was the same weekend, but they both made huge money, more money than predicted. And I think it was because everything sucked so bad <laughs> last October that people just needed to go to the damn movies, and so they did. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a real phenomenon. That's yeah. why the movie industry did so well in the Great in the Depression. depression. Yeah, it was the only industry always, that survived. Yeah. It's also why games do well yeah. when the economy did. Absolutely, it's escapism. So, and you're, you now you see, not coincidence, that the Joker movie, another movie like Venom, I have no interest in watching, because um, why? Yeah. But but that is taking the same slot. That's taking the, the early October slot that Venom took last year because. I think you're just going to see people do like solo super villain movies at the beginning of October from now on <laughs> because Venom was huge. Joker's probably going to be huge. I think that's just going to be a thing now. Do you think Kojima right now is in Japan going, <gasps> oh my gosh, my dreams may be oh, coming finally, true. Finally, that Death Stranding movie. Gets I mean, made. he's never had a conduit to become mm. a film director. Look, if And it, now it is laid out. Like a highway in front of him. Look, the two things there. First, you'd have to be completely insane to give Kojima a movie. Yeah, but because he's terrible. But do you but not see Sony, Sony Pictures <laughs> is insane. Could happen. Honestly, it, it would probably happen. have a great opening weekend. 
It depends what it is. Because I mean, all the gaming like fans it, would go and see it. Eh, well, the gaming fans didn't help Detective Pikachu, did they? Did they not? I mean, it did well. It did fine, but it didn't do what people were thinking it was going to do. Oh, it do didn't. Because the gaming populace, a lot of them just stay home and play games. Yeah. Like, they also like, know that most gaming movies are abysmal. Right. I mean, Detective <laughs> Pikachu uh, was fine. It did fine. It did not blow the doors off anything, and it didn't knock Endgame out of the top spot. Um, I thought it was going to do much better. There were people taking bets online about whether Detective Pikachu would break a billion dollars. Really? Um, because I never would have thought well, that. Well, when you look at the, the, the size and, and power of Pokemon as a brand, that's not a, it, an especially crazy yeah, idea. I guess you're right. But it just didn't. It, yeah. didn't tra- it doesn't translate. The success doesn't translate. Um, so, like, yeah, what if through some miracle, like Sony strong arms Konami into letting them make a Metal, giving Kojima Metal Gear license to make a Metal Gear movie... Uh, is is it going to cause hype in the game world? Sure. Is that going to translate into anything more than a fifty million dollar opening weekend? Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I think I Kojima mean, is different here, though than yeah, a typical. Yeah, but here's the thing: like Kojima, I don't think because it's want no to secret a... that he wanted of to course, direct but, a film. The, here's the thing: like, if this division is for making video game adaptations, I don't think Kojima wants to make a video game adaptation. He want to make his own thing. His own. Script which is not he's probably that, been writing since he was eight. Which is not or something. what that production company is for. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Do you think Kojima would turn down a Death Stranding movie? I don't know if they'd want if to make Sony a Death offered Stranding it to him? Movie. If they offered it to him, though. Well, that that production. I mean, the game itself almost looks like it's just a movie anyway. That production division has to last long enough for Death Stranding to come out <laughs> and be <laughs> a hit first. So I mean, it could be a case where people love the universe and the game's just not very good. Yeah, well. Like that just happened with Plague Tale. Yeah, or Metal Gear. Um, <laughs> Where people just like the characters in the story, but they don't necessarily enjoy playing it. Yeah. Maybe be... Death Stranding is better as a film than a game. Uh, we have no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, right now. we really don't. So um, We really don't. We don't even know what it is as a game, really, other than like trekking across wooded areas simulator with a box on your back. You got to haul around a refrigerator. Got a baby in a tube. <laughs> Pretty much it. You think we're going to learn more about it at E3 quickly? Uh, well, I don't know. It's Sony, so probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, maybe at the Game Awards this yeah, year. I wouldn't even think Kojima would be there. Yeah. Because Sony's not there to fly him out. Yep. So what about uh, some of the other properties? God of War. Better as a film or a TV show? Oh, probably a film. I mean, you just adapt the originals. And... Is there a difference? Actually, I'm curious to ask you this. Is there a difference between something being better for a film or a TV show? Well, usually if it's something's better for a TV show, it's more more of an episodic thing or it's a longer story. Like, I mean, you can always write in a way to make it work, but with a property, one way or the other, is one like, property good or bad for TV or film? I think it depends what you're expecting from it. If you're expecting like a long epic thing, you're probably going to want to uh, do a TV show out of it. If you want to, if you have like kind of something that can be, make it, because remember, the best, if you're taking from like a written source, like usually the best thing to turn into like a, a feature film is a short story. Yeah. Because if you're trying to adapt a novel, you're going to have to cut a ton of stuff out. If you adapt like a 30-page short story, like you're going to end up with something that's a much, you know, because that's already going to be a much more condensed narrative. I mean, that's the script, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, like you wouldn't want Game of Thrones movies. Yeah. Like although I wouldn't be surprised if we get them. Well, that would be years and years away. Like maybe by the time we're very old. But um, I mean, there might be spinoff. There's just too much money sitting there. Um, But that's a whole. I mean, you could probably do movies out of Fire and Blood. Uh, the prequel novel he wrote, yeah, because um, that, that's pretty action-packed and it's got a pretty standard structure. But like the main 
Song of Ice and Fire, like that's a TV show. Yeah, like, it's you too, has to be a TV too long. Show. Too long, too many characters, too much stuff. You'd lose too much stuff. So what about like God of War though? God of War, like I feel like you could make a pretty decent movie out of that. Um, the Sony, the Sony property, I would say would make the most sense as a TV series is Shadow of the Colossus. Really? Because you have to go through that journey. Oh, another part of it too is that you have the different colossi. Right. So each season even, or each episode, each, if you wanted to make it that truncated, could be a different colossi. I would say probably each episode. Yeah. Because, like, you can only drag that out so long. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, the part of the thing that you lose with a, with a movie of Shadow of the Colossus is that sort of the time you spend in that land and sort of yeah. the, the grind of the, the slow decay of, of the main character. So, I mean, I don't think you'd ever get that made because you know, if I made that series, there would be no dialogue. <laughs> Except for like maybe talking to the horse once in a right. while and like doorman like doing the thing. It'd be some of it, but mostly it would be almost a silent film. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not gonna fly. Sa- same with <laughs> same with my Metroid movie. My Metroid movie would be almost silent. It would have to be. Yeah. Well, she can't. She couldn't speak. She could speak. She, she but she'd have to talk to herself or like a computer or something. Like, like the voice inside her head type thing. No, she you know she talks. Samus talks, but, she, but like, why are you going to talk if you're sneaking around a place? You're just going to give yourself away. I mean, other than other M, she doesn't really talk in the games. Oh, she talks constantly in, uh, um, what's it called, Fusion. A lot of it's internal narrative, but she's talking, yeah. to, the ver- she's talking to the various, like, Adam or what's his, the, the AI. Oh, and she talks. True. She talks to the, yeah. the HQ and stuff. And yeah. She, I mean, she clearly talks. She just doesn't talk much because the atmosphere of the game is supposed to be more lonely. Because her suit does the talking, man. Um... <laughs> But I would I would make that kind of like a almost a silent film, uh, but Shadow Colossus could work that way. What uh, about uh, Ghost of Tsushima? I don't know enough about Ghost of Tsushima to know that. Now, he, so here's another thing: like you start thinking about budgets. So something like Ghost of Tsushima, the budget for that could be really small. You start talking about like sci-fi stuff. You start talking about fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when the budgets get real high. So yeah. do you think maybe? A Ghost of Tsushima TV show might be better, just for budgetary reasons, well, because you don't need they're... a lot of special effects. And well, I mean, it's a period piece, so that's almost as bad. And like, especially the costuming got... is going to be expensive. But also, like, if you're dealing, you're Sets. dealing with armor armies and invasions and battles, and that that's means true. CG right there. I mean, you're you're already in the most expensive Game of Thrones episodes. With that's that true. That's I mean, true. the first thing they're doing is a twisted metal TV series. Um, that's probably the worst thing they could Which have is... ever. <laughs> the worst thing they could have ever chosen. I just I can't imagine that ever looking anything but like cheese ball. I can't tell you how many times I've asked myself, what's the motivation for the characters in Twisted Metal? <laughs> like, what's the clown's name? Sweet Tooth. Yeah. What yeah. What gets Sweet Tooth up in the morning, Matt? He, what? He's a serial killer. <laughs> Right? Like, know, isn't that, he is, isn't that yeah. what he is? Like, yeah, he has to get up to kill every day. Right. Yeah. How do you... Those children aren't going to kill themselves. Well, they might. Dude, I mean, that is a Twisted terrible... Metal is a very horrible universe. Maybe you don't... Maybe I don't know what that you're doing there. That is a terrible choice. Like, anything character-driven to me is terrible choice. Like, Blizzard does okay with Overwatch getting all these other weird characters, and obviously Marvel's good at doing it. But when you have, like, all the... Particularly Twisted Metal... The characters are so different and come from such different places. It's hard to fathom how they would ever come together for something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is like the weakness of trying to adapt a game that like has a roster. Right. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Street Fighter never figured it out. Mortal Kombat more or less got it together, but Mortal Kombat's full of like archetypes that sort of are interesting to rub up against one another. Yeah. Um, so like it kind of works, uh, but then like when it gets too weird and too disparate, like the, se- the sequel didn't work because yeah. at that point you're trying to fit like the the BMX armor and cyber ninjas in with all that. It's just not there. <coughs> Detective Pikachu gets away with it because the Pokemon aren't really characters; they're just right. sort of window dressing for yeah. the most part. Um, and the characters that are in the in the movie are original characters that have character to them, as opposed to sort of like being player ciphers, like Ash would be or, or whoever you're you're taking as the protagonist from the main series. Um, with this, like I don't even know where you're like where's your where's your identity point? Where's your introduction to the world? You you're using like using one of the characters as like. Uh, like a viewpoint character to kind of enter this weird sort of like twisted metal. Are, are you going to like, I don't it... want to learn any more about those characters. I don't, they're not appealing. They're not. Particularly... Well, it's also been like a dormant series for a long time. And it's weird. To, the to... last one came out. It tanked. Their the interest in it is minimal. Yeah. Millennials don't care about. I mean, who metal. knows what else is kind of in the pipe. I mean, the uncharted movie is still kind of plugging along somewhere. So what um, are they going to do with that? Are they going to, is the new division going to take that over now? No, the, or? the deal's already signed. It's that would still be wherever they're doing it. Yeah, um, this would all be new development, but which is probably why they're resorting to twisted metal at this point. I mean, I'm also wondering too if what's happened. Where's with the my Uncharted? ape escape movie? <laughs> it might be coming. Frankly, I'd rather see that than twisted metal. I also oh absolutely, which <laughs> twisted <laughs> twisted metal feels like like the worst. It, it's the worst property it, they could have chosen. It, well, yeah, it's I mean it's. it's it's anachronistic. It's it's it belongs in 1995. Frankly, I mean, it's if it comes from that era, it, <laughs> it comes does, from that yeah. that sort of edge from the mind that, of David Jaffe. That edgelord, David, you know, Dave Jaffe, Image Comics, like yeah, drew. I mean, like draw, you know, like drawn to death. Something you draw on a binder in 1996. Yeah, you know. Um, I'm not saying I don't I don't enjoy that, but I don't know if that's your, really your breakout show. Yeah. As opposed to, like, Disney Plus's first attempt is going to be literally The Mandalorian, which is like, hey, what's the thing we could do that the fanboys, like, freak out about every single time? Boba Fett. All right, we'll do a Mandalorian show. Done. Like, great. But but this is, like, Twisted Metal? The like, other problem, like, too, you gotta, is Like, you're going to do the guy who's, like, crucified in the in the in wheel the... thing and stuff? Like, like it's just going to look so, so weird. And, like, you know it's not going to get the budget it needs to make any of that look good. So it's just going to have that sort of, like, weird... Like, Cosplay constant look. Constant post-process. <laughs> like layer yeah. look. <laughs> like, you're going to be able to see the cardboard right, and things. Right, yeah. It's, the it's, corrugation yeah. on the edge of, like, the harbor. <laughs> it's, so once you decide the properties, which Sony has made a terrible decision picking the first one... Then you have to make a good movie. And Sony Pictures mm-hmm. has not been able to do that. What makes you think this little maverick startup inside PlayStation is going to be able to make a good film or a good television Somet- show? I mean, sometimes new blood is what you need. It, it depends how much say that Sony Pictures people have over them. It doesn't like, matter how old the blood is. It's where the blood's coming from. Yeah, but like Kevin Feige was a, came out as a production assistant from the X-Men movies. And he's turned out to be the greatest producer in film of this generation. Yeah. So... And Marvel Studios was like kind of the whole thing with Marvel Studios. Like, well, what are they? they were, that's, that was a division of Marvel. It wasn't a yeah. film studio kind of deciding to form a separate. Pro- it wasn't, you know, because that predates Disney. Like, that was just a bunch of people that knew the comic books saying, like, I bet we could do a film production studio if we just, like, you know, hire the right people to make the movies and we sort of think tank it out of Marvel Studios. And it worked. Um, now, I'm not saying Sony has, uh, you know, narrative sources 
as strong as Marvel Comics has to draw from. I would say but, probably not. But sometimes these weird little one-off offshoot like production companies can surprise you, especially if they can work independently of the people who call the shots at the existing studio, which was Sony Pictures, which has been screwing up for well over a decade at this point. I mean, these are the people that brought you a whole bunch of terrible men in black ideas, uh, two, re you know, two attempt, two horrible Spider-Man ideas in a row, um, the Ghostbusters 2016 reboot, which I didn't mind that much, but it certainly didn't work uh, as, a, as a reboot of a franchise. It wasn't very good. Um, well, because they gave it to the wrong director. Yeah. Like you can't, like if you, like Ghostbusters one is great because it's one of the tightest scripts of its era. Yeah. Because Dan Aykroyd had in his head for like 15 years, which is also why Ghostbusters 2 is terrible because right. they had to throw it he together. He made it up in nine months. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but but so you've got that premise. You've got this thing that you know that that's why that first movie was great. Maybe you don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you're Sony Pictures, maybe you don't know. But like, you gave it to Paul Feig, whose entire style is we're just going to shoot a bunch of improv crap and keep the find it in sticks. the edit bay. Yeah. And like, I mean, Paul Feig's. Um, editing team developed their own editing system so they could see like 10 takes at once <laughs> so they could they could scrub through stuff right. that he shot as fast to as they could to the find the best stuff keeping. and they literally take like a line from this take and then cut to a line from this take and they just to try to piece together what they think is the funniest like constructed take of, of the that is not how you make a ghostbusters film that is not yeah. how you make a horror comedy yeah. that, that, that works the way ghostbusters one did like like you've got the you've got the right talent you've got a talented cast you've got a decent idea and ghostbusters was ripe for a reboot but you picked a guy who just does improv nonsense and isn't interested in sort of planning because the reason ghostbusters is great is because it works as a comedy and it works as a horror film if you yeah. took the comedy out of ghostbusters it would be a pretty decent horror yeah, premise for sure. if you took and the horror yeah. took the horror out of ghostbusters it's a you know a bunch it's of guys start a comedy. ghost extermination thing that's funny yeah, like if you yeah. could take all the lovecraftian stuff out of it and take away kind of what is legitimately pretty scary stuff when you're eight um it's a pretty good comedy idea yeah, yeah, anyway. Sure. Yeah. And they just didn't execute on any of it. And, I, I guess, and the fact that no one saw that in the in the studio, like even when you're just thinking about if someone brings Paul Feig up, you're like, really? Yeah. Like there's no planning there. I mean, the good news is that the bar is so low that even if these films and TV shows absolutely suck, it's not going to be shocking. No. To be like, this is pretty much what I expected. Yeah. I mean, it was... <laughs> I mean, at the most, you're going to be like, well, they can't all be Detective Pikachu, I guess. Right. Because you know? yeah. Detective Pikachu, well... It does raise the bar a little. It's not a billion-dollar hit, but it's like, it's a good movie. It's, it's respectable. A, yeah. Which is something we cannot say. It's not an embarrassing yeah. piece of work. Yeah. Like, it's not something it's you like, show It's like, if my someone, mom goes to yeah. see it, I'm not going to be like, oh, my mom's going to be right. like, oh, I work in the games industry, and this is our our movie, this is our film. Right. Like, it's not like someone going to see one of the Hitman movies right. or something. Yeah. It's just like, really? Or one of the Resident Evil movies, or... Yeah, yeah. Although those actually were kind of the top shelf. For I mean, a game they, I mean, Resident <laughs> Evil kind of found its niche. Yeah. In that regard. I mean, they're terrible, but like yeah. they're terrible in a kind of. A, but like, on a sliding scale, they sort of feel intentionally terrible. Yeah. It's like It's like they're just schlock, and that's yeah. sort of what they're, they're. They're not aiming to be anything. They don't it's have like, any pretense. It's like Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is probably the best game game adaptation movie pre Detective Pikachu, and that's because it just draws from the same schlock films that. Mortal Kombat is based on right, so yeah. it just work. You can end run around that and not have to worry about like kind of translating this batshit video game. Like, you know, the classic example of that probably being Super Mario Brothers. 
I mean, I don't know what drugs were on <laughs> in the writers' room for that. But wow, that is a weird <laughs> mushrooms, <thing>. obviously. Yeah, <laughs> the only explanation. So ultimately, do you think this is uh, a smart move? No, but it might not be a bad move either. I mean, depending on what, you know, I've got to wait and see what they produce first. I mean, stranger things have happened with like an internal division. Of, no pun intended. Yeah, an, inter- well, an internal <laughs> division of. Um, uh, you know, a non-film company suddenly, you know, finding the talent that can actually do something with this stuff. Yeah. Um, do I think that's likely, you know, that lightning would strike with with PlayStation and the way it struck with Marvel? Unlikely. But, like, let them try it. Why not? They have good source material. Yeah. So they have a good starting point as far as video games are concerned. Yeah, that's the irony is, like, you've got cinematic material to draw from in their first party stable. You could make a, I mean... They could the, make the a argument, great Last of Us TV show. Yeah, the argument against, uh, yeah, you could actually fill in some of the gaps in that story where, like, you know, you just jump, like, months ahead. and Plus, zombie, they're, they're, I mean, zombie TV shows have from... been shown that they can absolutely uh, yeah, sustain well, that's a, the that's episodic a tough, framework. Well, that's and... a tough sell in the, in the wake of Walking Dead sort of losing its steam. Yeah. But you would have to really lean on the fact that the clickers are different than that. Yeah. Um, and you'd have to constantly move the story forward. Uh, and maybe at some point he could teach her how to swim. Like what the, It's been <laughs> like four months and she's they're still doing the move, the, the, the wood <laughs> thing, so she can... It's like just... The father-daughter just, dynamic, though, does add a little something different to yeah. The Last of Us. Yeah, I mean, same with God. I mean, God of War, I mean, I, I would guess they'd want to adapt the, the modern version. I mean, my instinct would be to do some crazy, awesome, like, you know, version of the, the old ones as a movie, but then you kind of hit the point where like all these sort of attempts to do you know mythology badass action movies don't kind of fizzle like you know clash of the titans did well enough to get wrath of the titans as a sequel but it didn't nobody cared um uh gods of egypt was terrible did terribly but also was terrible right um so i don't know you know i mean you'd have to do it well and i don't know like that lives and dies in the script stage and it's very tempting these days you just sort of you know, get the get the action movie script done and forget about it. Um, whereas, like, you really could do something interesting with Kratos and uh, on on the big screen. Um, the other question becomes, who do you get to play him? I mean, you could get Christopher Judge could play him again, like yeah. on, you know, live action. Like he's, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures of him on his. I like, have, yeah. He is in Kratos shape. Oh like, yeah. He could absolutely do it. Yep. Um, so we'll see. I mean, God of War feels like a really obvious choice. Though, of course, part of the I question, can't believe it wasn't chosen first. I can't believe it was. It's it's the I mean, iron's hot gonna, right now. And if this you're one gonna, game of the year. If you're going like, to iron out the the kinks with uh, you know kind of how your your new production company works, maybe you don't want to start with kind of the big the big daddy. First. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what the thought is behind it. They're like, if yeah. we completely ruin Twi- Twisted yeah, Metal, Twisted who like, cares? It's twist, already ruined. Yeah, Twisted Metal is like <laughs> scratch paper. Like if you if you pour if you do, spill ink on this one, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's already dark. Yep. So, All right. I don't know. We'll see what they do. Gonna be this is sad thing is gonna be like two years before we see any kind of actual, actual results. They'll give this. up probably before any of it comes that out. That is entirely possible. <laughs> entirely possible. They'll get a year and a half into development and be like, this was or a the, big mistake. Or the other, the other funny twist on that would be like that they would finally go ahead and sell Sony Pictures. Yeah. Which they've been, you know, they've, that's, they've been, been on the edge of doing that for a long, long time. And how funny would it be if Sony sold Sony Pictures and then PlayStation is still making films and TV. Right. And then they have to find a different <laughs> distributor. <laughs> it could happen. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Super Mario Maker 2. Nintendo had one of its directs just this past week. Uh, A little weird to have a direct so close to E3, but uh, ultimately it proved to be worth it because it was a 17-minute 
wall-to-wall direct full of information of new features in the game did you get a chance to watch the direct no i missed it and then i kept meaning to watch it and i never got to it i read a bunch of impressions about it um, but i never watched it now if you guys have watched game face in the past which most of the people on the live stream obviously have some people on youtube maybe not although to be fair i'm I not I a fan of mario maker i don't need to be convinced on this game because i like mario maker a lot. yeah you so you liked it a lot i was Indifferent to it probably is the best way to describe it. I don't care it. about making stuff in it, but I like having just sort of this pseudo-infinite like amount of content to play with. Even if a lot of it is just like, oh, good, another auto-played song level. But like, this looks like it's got a lot more uh, breadth to it, if not depth. Um, I mean, you, you, yeah, look, they got me. I'm in. One way <laughs> okay. or the other. Uh, they do not have me. Mm. Even after this direct, they do not have me. Uh, you're right. There are a lot of new features, and we're going to run down through them pretty quickly. Uh, but none of them fundamentally change the game for me. Uh, I also was not a huge creator. Like, I would just go download levels and play them. Um, and that's always a crapshoot for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, they got better at bubbling up the good stuff as time went on. But I know initially at launch, like, it seemed like all the stuff that was at the top of the charts were, was awful or just not particularly creative. Um, and so they have added a lot of features to it, but nothing that is going to convince me that all of a sudden now, yes, I want to build 2D Mario levels. Uh, the game's coming out June 28th. That's soon. Yeah, real soon, like a month from now. Yeah. I mean, it was just announced, what, a month and a half or two months ago? Yeah. And it's, so from announced to release, they're pulling a Bethesda, basically, mm -hmm. within the six-month window there. Uh, so it's coming out June 28th. Um, to run through some of the new stuff, uh, you can make courses together cooperatively. I don't, again, I, I don't know how working with somebody else is going to motivate me to want to make courses. It's probably not. That seems like a recipe for anger. I mean, you, you thought Mar New Super Mario Brothers was a, a divorce machine. <laughs> <laughs> don't put it there. Yeah, move it over here. Oh, you got to move it more. one more pixel. Oh, now. Yeah, I, I can see already the, the frustration with something like that. Uh, there is a story mode this time, mm -hmm. but it's about as much of a story mode as the story mode in Smash Brothers Ultimate. It's a very thinly veiled, vaguely framed mm -hmm. uh, collection of playing one level after another, made by the Mario team, obviously. So they're going to be better than any of the levels you probably play from users. Uh, but you basically are just playing 2D Mario levels from the team, and then the object is to collect enough coins to rebuild the castle. I guess you spend the coins to add different pieces to the castle that you're trying to rebuild. Again, it so looks... So it's sickening. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty <laughs> superficial, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you can download levels for up to four players to play, which is a change from the first game. Um, and then all the new elements. There's slopes. There's wind. The angry sun, which I think everybody knows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a... As an eternal nemesis from the 2D Mario games. Uh, there are desert, snow, jungle, forest, and night themes. Um, you can set snake block paths, another element mm. from Mario games that I'm sure everyone remembers, the snake blocks. And those are the, the well, it's just what it sounds like. Yeah, it's the, the blocks that... Those lines of blocks that move around like a snake on the screen. And there are... Water levels. And there are vertically scrolling stages. Mm. My yeah. favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's actually a pretty big deal if you yeah. think about being able to let people make a vertically scrolling stage. And as you said, you can set the water level however you want. 
You can, and lava as well. Um, they both kind of function the same. Um, one kills you, one you can swim in. But as far as how you actually utilize them in building levels, they function the same. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the new stuff that they've announced so far. Some people have dug in and found like really minute details, like being able to control the speed at which objects fly through one object or another. Really minutiae stuff that only the hardest of the hardcore builders are going to care about. But, and look, those are all great features. Um, honestly, I don't think I knew the first Mario Maker well enough to know that a lot of that stuff wasn't in the first Mario <laughs> Maker. Like, some of the stuff, I'm like, wait, that wasn't in the first one? Why? Uh, so this ha- it hasn't really changed my perspective on the game at all. I'm going to give it a go. I'm assuming Nintendo will send me review code, so I'm going to play it and give it a try like I did with the first one. But I'm just not a 2D platformer person anymore. I just don't really care about the genre anymore, regardless of how good it is. And I will admit that Mario, typically the best 2D platforming on the planet. That title's come under some question lately with some of the good indie stuff that's coming out, but I still think they hold the crown. Uh, and I probably will play through the story mode, and I'll play the levels that the Mario team has built, and I'll futz around with the user-created stuff for a while, but I have a feeling this game is going to end up resonating with me about exactly the same as the first one did. So I'm not especially excited for it, to be honest with you. It's coming out in a good window, though, summer game. Yeah. Nice, like, post-E3 sort of thing. Yeah, you're coming at from E3 where you're, you're rubbing elbows with all these people who create games. Uh, so I think for us personally, maybe it'll have a little bit more uh, more chutzpah to it than for the average person. But look, the first Super Mario Maker sold great, did great. I don't expect anything different with this. In fact, it's probably going to sell double what the first one did. Uh, because, you know, I was like, what? This stuff wasn't already in the game. But the people who really love Mario and love that game knew exactly that that stuff wasn't in the first one. So I get it. Uh, I understand that there's people who are going to be really, really pumped for this. I'm, I'm just not one of them. Uh, did this change your impression of it at all? Did it make you want it more or less? Or No, I mean, I, I was always pretty much on board. I, li- I like the, the concept of it. It's not a thing that I know enough about kind of just basically level design theory to, to do anything in creatively, but, like, I like having sort of this infinite amount of content to play with whenever I want to, like, load it up and play a little Mario that I haven't played a thousand times already. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing them do, uh, like, a Mario 64 version at some point yeah that's what like, i mentioned last time we talked about it if you'd ask me what would make me get into it and mm-hmm. i was like if i could make super mario 64 i'd be in um well, i think dreams other people does, were making super yeah, mario 64 right. i mean i think dreams shows that like a 3d kind of version of this concept is plausible yeah it can so. work um it's still not easy dreams is still not have you fiddled around with the beta yeah, it's it's not again. It's not a thing I'm going to be building anything. In. It's, it's, <laughs> it's look. I'll say this: it's about as easy as they could have made it. Right. But it's still really complicated. Yeah. Like you, you got to work for it. It's not just like this copy and paste and drag and drop. It's it's much right. more involved. If than I that. if I was that into and and competent in doing stuff like that, I'd be making actual. Games. I'd make a real game. Yeah. yeah. Instead of spending all that time to make a game for somebody else on their platform. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're not getting anything out of that. But I like, you know, I also like the concept of Mario Maker. I think, you know, especially because it's got such a large kid audience. And, like, this is a great way to, if you're a kid who's interested in kind of game stuff and working in games, like, this is a great way to learn level design. Oh, and what, for what sure. What works and what doesn't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Without having to worry about the coding aspect of yeah, things. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a... As far as placement of platforms and yeah, speed and it's a, it's a, it's scroll a good learning speed. Tool that That's regard. something else you can adjust in this is how quickly the levels scroll. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and stuff like that is a big. It makes a big difference when you're designing yeah. games. Absolutely. I think it's a powerful tool, and I, li I like that. I like what it is, and I like kind of you know. I maybe I don't necessarily get my money's worth out of it by not using the creator as much as I do, but like, uh, it's it's certainly it was certainly the last game in my Wii U. Let's put wow. it that way. I don't know what the last one was. There, it's probably still probably in it. still in there actually. Actually, yeah. now that I think about it, I think I may have packed up my Wii U without checking to see if there was a disc <laughs> inside it. It might have been this game. I think my big my big thing with this though is this could have just been DLC for Super Mario Maker. Well, it, yeah, except then you're stuck on the Wii U. <laughs> well, no, I mean you just put out Super Mario Maker for yeah, Switch. I mean, I think that's what this is. Like, just think you call it two because it's because it, you want it to be seen as new. Yeah, you know, and maybe you maybe you leave it as a platform from now on. Yeah, I I mean I think they kind of have to do that. Yeah, unless they make a 3D version. Yeah, I mean 3D. Yeah, well Super Mario Super uh, Super Mario Maker 3D. They'd have right me. there. They'd have me. Yeah, absolutely. And they're they're putting some of the elements from 3D World. Oh, there, into there, this, there's but... another. It looks like there's another like theme set that's not shown yet. There is a blank slot there. Yeah, people have dug through a lot of this stuff, and uh, you can find all that stuff on Sifted if you just go to the game page. Uh, people have dug through it and found like all the little It's also stuff. a good reminder that I don't know what any of the enemies in this series are called. Ever, right. Like, outside of the basic <laughs> like first Goombas game. Goombas. Yeah. Yeah. Goombas stuff. and Okoopas and a Piranha Plants, Baba Ayala, all this. But like, once you get past like Super Mario 3, I'm just like, I don't know. Really? No like, that's what that's that called? Okay. Yeah. I just called it like a palm tree monster. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it's coming out uh, June 28th, just about a month to wait. Yeah. By the time love... you get through E3, it'll be here in the blink of an eye. I would also love to see uh, so uh, Sega do a Sonic like this. A Sonic... Uh... I think I might be more into that, in all honesty, because it, it's it's almost like a roller coaster simulator. Mm -hmm. You're almost building, like, rides instead of just platforming levels. Yeah. That could be fun. Yeah. And I'm sure the people who make all those crazy, like, don't touch the controller levels in this would absolutely oh, love that. Oh, that would be, the, that. Yeah, would be <laughs> paradise. Right in their wheelhouse. So, again, coming out on the 28th, it is a full-price game. Uh, and it is Switch exclusive. You cannot buy this for the Wii U. Um, but it'll be interesting, at least in the first week, to see what people build. Uh, I know the first week of the first Mario Maker, it was cool just checking out YouTube and seeing, like, the top 10 Mario Maker levels from mm -hmm. the first week or whatever. That stuff's always interesting. So, and it's going to sell. I think it's going to sell very, very well. No, I don't, maybe not Smash Brothers sell. No. It'll, it'll do fine. Yeah, it'll do much better than... I was actually surprised how little the first one sold. I think it only sold like two and a half or three million copies. Well, Obviously, was, on the Wii U... It was U, a platform issue more the than the end game, of the life yeah. cycle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm not... Not looking at how it did on Wii U as any sort of harbinger for how it's going to do on Switch. I think it's going to blow those numbers away in like day one, basically. All right, let's get back to some more E3 previews. We're going to talk next about Square Enix. Um, when I first started putting the rundown together for this, I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't cover Square Enix because there probably isn't going to be anything. Mm -hmm. But then I started doing the research and I discovered, okay, they, they, have, a, they, they have the potential to have a decent lineup. I'll, we'll see what they you always see. have the potential. They just don't do it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how you feel about it when we get to the end of this discussion. Obviously, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is the Final Fantasy VII remake. Mm -hmm. They just put out a new trailer for that. We talked about this last week as part of uh, Sony State of Play. Uh, just the second trailer they put out for it mm -hmm. in all this time. Uh, they said when they put out this trailer that there's going to be more information in June. So I think it is absolutely a lock that we're going to see, I think, at least like a big gameplay demo of this game. 
I also think we might get a release date for the first episode. That seems optimistic. You think? Yeah. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, well, it's square. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, and you're right. Their track record is not good, particularly when you talk about the Final Fantasy franchise. Uh, if you start looking back at the history of Final Fantasy 15, you may say this isn't coming out until we're dead. So, but I think just the fact that they... I think they... it will come out in less... T- well, I don't know. How long, how long is Final Fantasy 15? That was like 10 years? Yeah, roughly. And this this was announced in, what, 2014? Yeah. All right, so we're halfway there. Yeah. And keep in mind that, I mean, there's those who say that Versus 13 was killed after five years and Final Fantasy 15 was the result of the next five years. Right. So they seem to work in five year, <laughs> five year chunks. Maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll get a release date. Who knows? I just think that if they're going to put this trailer out a month before E3, they're not going to just put out another trailer at E3. Like you would think, but it's square. I really think we're going to get a gameplay demo of this. That I think is, we'll get a gameplay demo. That is finally going to show us what it actually, what the actual gameplay loop is like. I mean, the gameplay loop is Final Fantasy 15. Like that's what I'm looking at here. It's like these are this is just they just took the Final Fantasy 15 combat and stuck it into this. Or vice versa, who knows. Yeah. Um I mean, look, the well, the first trailer I always thought looked a little more Kingdom Heartsy. And this looks more Final the new one looks more Final Fantasy 15. That agree. Yeah. The art style especially. Yeah. Yeah. The subtle changes that they made Makes it look less like the original Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, a well, lot I, I mean, less. I think the new stuff looks better. It does, yeah, um, for, for the sure. most part. And uh, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, but that's obviously Square Enix's big, big ringer for E3 2018. Uh, well, yeah, for the core gaming demographic, yeah, it's not, it's not what I would consider their 800-pound gorilla. Okay, well, I'm would, interested to hear what you think that is. Which would be the next game. Okay, uh, so next, if we see it, that this is a big X factor, but it. With the way things are lining up, it, it's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Avengers Project. Mm. We have one teaser trailer that we have shown you here on Game Face. I bet you if we counted... For many years. I, get, I bet you if we counted the number of times we've shown this on the show, it is right up there with the most shown B-roll ever. Um, and it's like 15 seconds long, so Sam's going to keep replaying it here over the next like two or three minutes while we talk about it. Um, do you think we're going to see like a real trailer for this? I, they, they're crazy if they don't. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no hotter time to strike the iron than right now in the wake of Endgame Mania. It's also crazy to watch this teaser trailer now that I've seen Endgame. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of destroyed stuff laying around. Yeah. I'm, I mean, my theory has destroyed always destroyed people. My theory has always been that like one of the reasons they haven't shown it is because it's going to it's going to cover the whole right idea of i mean supposedly it's like using MCU versions of the characters but it's not based in the MCU but like i would guess if you're drawing inspiration from that you're probably going to want to like wait until the MCU sort of like put a cap on that before you show it i guess i don't know like it, 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 if like you don't get it out dynamics you, is that yeah, right crystal dynamics and idos montreal, montreal are the two that are on... I think Idis Montreal's on the Guardians of the Galaxy thing and Crystal Dynamics is on the Avengers. But, like, if you don't get that out this year, you have missed your window, frankly. Yeah. I mean, if you don't get this out... There's alongside, no excuse now. No, along, get it alongside the home video release of Endgame or go home, frankly. I mean, some of these images in this were kind of spoilery. No. I don't know. They, they look like the... Um, the Tony's vision from Age of Ultron. Oh, right. What they, what they right. Look like. That's true. That's true. Because remember that that trailer predates 
the destruction of Mjolnir in yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. So like you know, clearly they're working a little blind on this, but get on with it. I think only a little blind though. Yeah. They definitely had some guidance. You can tell when they put out this teaser trailer from somebody at Marvel. Well, I think they're just building. This they're literally just taking this from the the visions Tony has from going back to 2015. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was. Holy crap. <laughs> Time just flies on by. So what do you think we're gonna see of this? Gameplay demo or just a trailer? I would hope they'd blow the blow it out. Yeah. Like, here, here's it. Here's a gameplay demo. It's coming out this fall. Like, <clears throat> you think this yeah. fall? Look, I would if I were in charge of sort of planning the schedule. Uh, I would want it to. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's end happening. Endgame on Blu-ray probably around that time or earlier. Um, probably Octoberish, September. I mean, it would be smart to put it out for Q4 when everyone's yeah. buying Christmas gifts. Everyone snap up that Blu-ray. I mean, this is this is your last chance. I mean, and it's the last chance to really cash in on that Avengers stuff until they did. I mean, the rumor is that they might not do another like full big old crossover for ten years. Whoa! So I think they're wow. gonna, I think they're going to build the Secret Wars. Oh my gosh! But, um, I would love that. Oh my gosh! I would love that. So uh, but, I mean, look, the end of this was kind of like the Secret Wars a little bit. A little bit, but I mean, in terms of I like, don't want to spoil like the battle world stuff, and you know, you can't do Secret Wars without um, without Doctor Doom, yeah, um, the Beyonder, the Beyonder, and all that stuff. I mean, I, I think you can get there, and be, and once you bring in the X Men and Fantastic Four, like about five years from now, um, you can build, you can do a really good Secret Wars equivalent. So uh, I would love it. My cool. favorite comic series of all time, and I mean, look, there are some scenes in Endgame that gave me that yeah i mean that they're, feeling. they're building on that sort of epic crossover yeah. like just tradition that secret wars and crisis on infinite earth started back in the day i mean there's a couple shots in endgame that are just oh that's a splash page that's a two yeah that's a two page splash page right on a movie screen yeah it's great um but like that that you're not going to get a better setup to sell people an avengers game than that movie yeah so get on with it yeah the iron is hot and it's cooling off and like <laughs> you I, got it striking. You know, and I know Crystal Dynamics can close, can, can make something happen in a, in a reasonable amount of time. And I think they generally make good stuff. So I would like to see them make a thing, please. Like, yeah. uh, if you don't get it out this year, I think you've missed a tremendous opportunity. Oh yeah. So, it, it, but it, as we've seen from the Star Wars uh, license, just because it should be what you do doesn't mean it is what you do. So I mean, I would say worst case scenario, it comes out by the end of March next year, probably. Yeah, I mean, I. Not making it by this, at least one of these games by this fiscal year is crazy to me. It is. It's, but also, and also, like, you know, you got some time probably for the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was originally going to be next May, and then it got pushed to the following May. So you got, 20, you got until 2021 to get that one done, depending on what you want to do with it. Um, you got Black Widow Solo movie coming out next year. You got an Eternals movie coming out next year. Eternals is another, you know, fertile ground if you, if you think that's going to be a hit, which yeah. it probably will. I mean, yeah, they all are. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of room to yeah. do some stuff. You got stuff based on the Disney Plus thing. I would play a Falcon and the Winter Soldier like co-op game, no question. Um, yeah, that's a Disney Plus series they're doing. Like, there's a there's a lot of stuff. You got the Iron Man VR game coming, so at least there's motion there. But, yeah. Um, if we don't see Avengers at E3, I'm going to be a little concerned, and maybe a little angry too. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I'd like a decent Iron Man game for for once. How about not that? too much to ask. Uh, let's see, Octopath Traveler 2 looks like it's going to be there. Mm. I guess you'd call it a sleeper hit. Sort of, yeah. Um, it didn't get as much traction as I think I thought it was going to get. It did all right. I mean... It was kind of a flash in the pan, though. Yeah. It was like 
it's out this week. Everyone talked about it for a week, and then no one really talked about well, it. Well, now again. it's on PC for full price and with the nouveau. So yeah. Mm, eh. <laughs> Good way, pick... way to read the room, Square. Yeah, how about um, just pick up a Switch instead and play much. it on Switch? Um, and then People Can Fly, the studio behind uh, Bulletstorm, mm-hmm. is working on a brand new first-person shooter for Square Enix. Um, they've announced it. No logo, no media, no trailers or anything, but it should be shown, I think, for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, are you a fan of Bulletstorm? No, I didn't like I didn't like Bulletstorm very much. What I've realized is that uh, Rage 2, which we're going to give our final takes on here in a minute, is a little bit like Bulletstorm. Did you ever turn on the uh, NBA Jam announcer in Rage 2? No. So, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so if you do that, <laughs> it plays a lot like Bulletstorm because you don't realize it like while I was playing Rage 2 like every time you get a kill you're building up like a multiplier right. but the game doesn't really sell that very well you not be on like, like filling your overdrive meter really yeah when you have the NBA Jam announcer on he sells <laughs> it let me tell you it makes it it plays the same but it feels completely different I had no idea that was a thing yeah yeah. there's any options yeah they put out a trailer for it even oh. yeah and it, on April Fool's, people thought it was an April Fool's joke. It turned out it was actually real. It's a real thing. Um, I did like Bulletstorm, but I liked it for like four hours and mm-hmm. didn't. I never finished it. Um, I just lost interest in it in a short period of time because it is kind of a vapid experience in a lot of ways. There's really no story to it. It's yeah. the it's, characters it's, it's aren't very tryhard. Yeah, to me. the characters aren't particularly compelling or interesting. It's basically just a combo shooter, which for its time was pretty mm. unique. Uh, would you like to see those mechanics return for? No, no. I, I don't. I don't find any interest in any of that. I, I, I don't. I don't care about doing weird, fancy stuff or flipping people around or throwing. You know, any of that. I also didn't care about. Uh, what was that? What was that terrible shooter that was mostly like a target range game, like a time target range? Was it the club or something like that? I don't know. The club. That's what it was. I remember that yeah. game. Was, oh, no, you're right. It was a time attack shooter. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. I just, like, shooters to me, I'm more interested in kind Good of, like... Good call there, pulling that one out. I'm, I'm more interested in, like, kill the kill the guy any way you have to, like, get through the obstacle. Like, I don't really care about getting style points for my shooting. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a thing I'm interested in. I will say this, though. The way Bulletstorm was set up, it was designed for that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. it wasn't I mean, like I get you people... killed an enemy and you're searching for the next enemy. Like, they... they Sent, they spawn the enemies to oh, propagate yeah. I mean, I get why people like it. It's just not for me. Like, the closest I get to something like that would be, like, Doom and, like, chaining, like, the finishers, yeah. like, one after the other and yep. kind of doing stuff like that. Like, that's satisfying to me, but I don't care about being scored on my ability to be weird in a shit. <laughs> just, like, I don't know. So you're, you're hoping for something a little more traditional. Yeah. Because these guys technically are pretty good. Yeah, they are. I mean, the shooting feels good. The level design is good. The... I mean, my favorite, was it them? They did Painkiller, right? I think they did. Yeah, yeah. Like that would that would, uh, that was my favorite thing they've done. Circle strafer. Yeah, but also just like pinning people to the wall with yeah, nail guns yeah, with the and stink stuff. Gun. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That was good times, man. Definitely, uh, it's hard for games to make an impact like that anymore, though, because it's all been done. Yeah, you know, I remember the first time I used they brought that game by. I think it was GT, or was it G4? Was I at G4 then? I think it was GT. I mean, it would have been G4 for Painkiller. Painkiller was no for old. for Painkiller. Was it that old? It's pretty I old. remember them bringing a bite to demo it to us, and the first time they showed me the state gun, like my jaw dropped, mm. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like they're just hanging on the wall now. Stuff like that. It was that, that period is... where it's like 
physics were just kind of being implemented yeah. in things. Like Anything things like, ragdoll was cool. Things and... like, what was it? Uh, PsyOps. Yeah. That, that game where it's like, oh, you can pick a guy up and throw him around. Or like, With your mind. Or the, the yeah. N64 ver- version of Minority Report, where like all I did in that <laughs> game was just pick guys up in the first level and throw them through plate glass over yeah. and over again. Like <laughs> yeah. A, I don't think I ever got out of the first level of that game. All I did was just throw people through the front window of... Uh, of uh, Pre, pre-crime headquarters. Yeah, it's just all. a toy to play with, yeah. basically. This game was kind of like that, too. Yeah. It's a toy to fiddle yeah. around with. It's not like this experience is going to change your life or going to want you to award it Game of the Year, but maybe people can fly can uh, fly in a different direction with this one and mm-hmm. come up with something a little bit different. Um, and then just a couple wishful thinking things. Uh, actually, one isn't. Babylon's Fall from Platinum. That's been announced. It's official. Mm-hmm. Think we're going to see it? I'm going to see like a teaser again or it's something. Been, it's been announced for a while Well, Platinum's been pretty now. quiet for a while. It has. Yeah. Absolutely. Which may be more, of the re- more reason for it to... Yeah. Other than saying, you know, Bayonetta 3 has been delayed and in development hell. Yeah. Although, I guess that would be more of a Nintendo thing. Yeah. Is Nintendo developing Bayonetta Nintendo's 3? paying for it. Paying for it, right. So. Which basically means Nintendo is not happy with the quality of Bayonetta 3. And it mm. sent them back to, to get it where they want it. Could be. Um, and then the last game I guess I would bring up is maybe a sequel to Near Automata. Yeah, that would that would seem timely. And you know that game is like sold very well. It continues to sell. It sold like a hundred and some thousand copies yeah. in the last couple of months. I mean, that is some grassroots yep, stuff some, going on right there. That is some slow burn word of mouth. Yeah. So last December it had sold three point five million. And then last week, they said it had sold four. So in the last five or six months, it sold another half a million copies. That's crazy. That's serious word of mouth right there. Yeah, quality can get you there. Yeah. Um, And look, it's been a couple years now. I mean, also, I would say that this game isn't overly ambitious. I mean, the cinematics aren't these finely curated. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the time spent... Yeah. To create it. It's not a big time sink. Tell you what I'd like to see is I'd like to see them bring the original game forward for backwards compatibility or something. Yeah. Like on Xbox or And now that the name is relevant and it kind of matters again, that might be a good way to draw up interest to announce a sequel, uh, which would mean that they probably are not announcing it. It's not a tremendously great game, but like I think it's worth playing. Yeah. Um, And like this one, the music's fantastic. Yeah. And it is a a horrible, depressing, monstrous thing that you play. (laughs) Up to if you get through the actual final ending, just like this one, you got to play it like three times to, to get the to real, get the, the quote unquote. Real you play it the first time, and then you play it the second time, and find out that everything you did in the first one, first playthrough was horrible. Right. And then the third time you play through, you get one of two endings. There's like one. There's bleak and bleaker basically, and the <laughs> the worst ending deletes your save. The D ending. It's called the D. You get a C or a D ending, and the D ending deletes your save. You're not worthy. Like. It's, it's of remembering pretty, it's you pretty spent great. 20 hours of your life on this. <laughs> oh, tw- no, by that point, you spent like 150. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you had to play through it so many You're times. You're on your third playthrough. Right. And the subsequent playthroughs are not as long, yeah. just like this. But it's still, you, you learn more commitment. information about things, and then the third playthrough has that the big the big ending with, like, either you lead into the, the events that lead to Nier Automata, or Tomata, and or you. Get I still don't know. Your, or you get your. Say it. It's a Tomata. I've heard it say it said both ways, like it's a tomata, over and over again. It's, a, it's an actual word, oh, okay. but like, um, automata is more like if you got sandwiches out of a vending machine. It was an automat back in the day. 
What would you like to see anything. from the sequel? I don't have any expectation. Whatever, whatever, whatever uh, Taro wants to make. Like, just, just go nuts. Surprise me. Um, more, you know, more, more stuff along the lines of this in terms of just sort of how the like playing with the narrative stuff and and expectations and kind of moving it more into like a, a you know, because this is a definitely an improvement hack and slash wise on the first game. Um, yeah, I would. I would not by. I would not presume to dictate terms to to Taro. Well, I was. I would make one request: better graphics. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would <laughs> right out of the gate, I would definitely like to, to see better. them. If you're, you're going to do an open world thing, this is sort of a Japan in general thing. But like, if you're going to do an open world and you're going to have me like picking up items or looking for stuff, just put the actual item in the world and not just like a little flashing light. Like, I I find that so annoying. I mean, the, I mean, if you compare this game to modern games, the level of detail in it is definitely lacking. Oh yeah, but even in like Final Fantasy 15, they still all, all the objects you find in the world are glowing, flashing lights, yeah. not actual. All objects. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I, I just that's a that's a thing I would like to see go away forever, please. Yep. Um, put the actual object in the world. Anything Make it else? Glow or whatever, but whatever. <laughs> Anything else you expect from uh, Square Enix at E three? Um. Definitely not Final Fantasy sixteen. No. You don't think they would dare not. to show like a teaser not. trailer for that, that would game, they? That game probably doesn't. It's barely. I may never play it. I may be dead before it comes out. I'm not even exaggerating. Like it may um, not happen. I would like a remaster of Chrono Trigger. Yeah. That doesn't look like ass. Yeah. Which the PC... I mean, they fixed it a little bit. I would like, say the chances of that happening are slim to none. I mean, they already put it on the Super Nintendo Classic, which is probably about the closest you're going to get. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I Square doesn't have a whole lot of interest. I wouldn't mind some kind of indicator that Deus Ex isn't dead forever, but... I think it is. It's probably going to at least be dormant for another several years. Yeah. Um, certainly while, while Idas Montreal works on Marvel stuff. Fair trade. And, uh, I don't know, like, I would say like a hint that Tomb Raider is going to continue in some way, but I feel like it's time to reinvent that again. I wondered, yeah, I mean, you have to reboot it again? I it ran its course again. It got yeah. through like four games and then people spent, were like, I'm but over But you spent three damn games making her become the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Maybe you could reinvent the gameplay ideas, but like just continue off of those as like, don't, don't start over again. Just yeah. like justify the changes to how it works as like, now she's the Tomb Raider. So <laughs> They took it on the chin with the last game, man. I really don't see them putting up the money to fund another one too soon. Meh. What else they got at this point? Like, well, Crystal make... Dynamics got to be making something. Yeah. Well, they're... You could bring back uh, Legacy of Kane. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be a showstopper. Yeah. That would be, like, one of the seminal moments from E3 2019 if that were to happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Amy Hennig is working on it. Oh, I don't think Amy Hennig would go backwards like that. She's not doing anything else. You know what she's doing now? She's just going from, like, conference to conference giving talks. I guess it's a good gig if Seems you can like get it. Seems like a pretty good gig, yeah. I'd rather her be making games, but yeah. she, if whatever she wants to do, she can she do needs, it. She needs a break from all the crap she just went through. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah me too. But I would love to see her writing the next Legacy of Kane. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, Legacy, I don't think Soul Reaver 2 is a great game, but I do think it's one of the best scripts ever written for a video game. Yep. Has some amazing scenes. There's no are, questioning her Amazing talents. scenes that are connected by really boring video gameplay sections. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's worth getting to the next scene most of the time, which is which just says something. Because of her work. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that's Square Enix at E3 2019. Uh, we'll be 
hanging out with you guys for all the press conferences at E3 once again. Uh, we'll be doing a hangout. Uh, Matt and I will be here providing commentary. You guys will be watching along with us, and then we'll do a big Q&A at the end. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun at E3 this year. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about an uneasy alliance. Mm. So information broke this week initially that Microsoft and Sony had collaborated on Microsoft basically sharing its xCloud streaming tech with Sony. And people freaked out. They were like, oh. Including the PlayStation division. Right. Who didn't know. Who didn't know. <laughs> people freaked out because they're like, oh my, okay, we've, we've seen. Have we fought these console wars for nothing? <laughs> we've seen Microsoft and Nintendo buddy up here yeah. in the last couple months. And that was a shocker, even though they've been buddy-buddy kind of all along. But Sony and Microsoft, the the rivals to the bitter end, the, he yeah. the hated, heated rivals, yeah. teaming up for anything yeah, seems is, insane. This is like Mario and Sonic go to the Olympics happening in like 96. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, so how shocked were you when you found out that they were going to work together on anything? Because this is Sony who won't do cross-platform yeah. with Xbox and has been this kind of isolationist company yeah, it makes me all it made me do is made, made me wonder like, okay, who's calling the shot on this for Sony? Like, who like where is this coming from? What part of the company is it coming from? And then you found out. Yeah. It it wasn't PlayStation. No, it was not PlayStation. PlayStation was not even in the negotiations for this. Which makes me think that the people at Sony who were making this deal knew better than to tell them. Yeah, because they know they knew it was going to have all kinds of internal turmoil and blowback from yeah. that division. They're like, what? You're going to work with our... And they're just like, you know what? We're just going to do it. And then we'll tell them afterwards. It's like they always say, it's easier to uh, ask for forgiveness than right. ask for permission. <laughs> Not that the mothership needs permission from PlayStation, mind you. I mean, they are the ones ultimately who mm -hmm. pilot the ship. But it could be argued that PlayStation puts all the gas in the engine to keep that ship moving. So, first of all, what, how do you, what do you think about Sony corporate signing this deal deal without even telling the PlayStation division and how weird must it have been for Xbox to be in these meetings and be like where where are the PlayStation hmm. people think about that yeah well i mean to me it says that they are taking you know com competition like the Stadia seriously yeah like yeah. it took some all of them are it took Google and Apple to get these people in a room together pretty much it's crazy what i would think a threat yeah. It, they feel like a threat. So what I uh, alluded to say is that, and then two days later, it comes out that Nintendo is also working with Microsoft on streaming mm -hmm. tech. Um, not quite as surprising. Microsoft has been kind of an ally for, for Nintendo for a while now. It's put out some games on Nintendo's handhelds. Uh, it's let Nintendo work with Banjo on uh, and released a Banjo game on a handheld when Banjo had already left on consoles for Xbox. Um, Microsoft consist consistently um, congratulates Nintendo on its releases. Uh, they've been buddies all along. It's the Sony Microsoft thing that I'm really having problems wrapping my head around. Well, it's just the Sony sort of like Sony doesn't need anyone else thing. Like, well, the other, they, I mean, they that's the other thing. Is it's they arrogant ha Sony, it has right? The, the PlayStation meme. Now. Mm. So why does it need Microsoft streaming tech? This PlayStation now isn't good enough. Yeah. I mean, that's really an admission mm. by corporate, yep. not by PlayStation, by corporate that what they have right now 
isn't good enough to compete. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is dad sitting at home going like, you know what? The boy needs help. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if you're gonna get it for him, I'm gonna get it for yeah. him. And so, how does this work though? So I don't know. Look. The big three giving each other money is nothing new. Sony owns part of the rights on Blu-ray, so anytime mm -hmm. anyone was using a Blu-ray disc, Sony was making a couple pennies here and there. Um, so it's not out of the ordinary. Microsoft was releasing games on Nintendo handhelds. Nintendo was mm -hmm. making a cut of money off that. It's not that out of the ordinary. It still is, but it's not out of yeah. the realm of reason. The crossplay stuff is finally happening. Yeah, and yeah. so do you wonder? If Microsoft agrees to help Sony with this, do you think Microsoft in the contract demands that cross-platform play is just has to be a thing going forward? I mean, this is you have the leverage here as Microsoft. You can make some changes here to Sony mm -hmm. that you want. I mean, possibly depending on how much you care about that. I mean, I, I feel like the 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 motivation here is more like, hey, like if this thing takes off in a way that we think it might like we will be caught unarmed and like i think microsoft one way or the other would prefer to have sony there as its competition than google well it's like that old saying keep your enemies close or right. your friends close your enemies closer but this is like not to drag the 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 marvel you know thing to the to the limit <laughs> but it's like this is like you know the avengers teaming up with dr doom to stop galactus yeah, basically yeah. You know? it's true yeah you know you don't trust him you don't want him there but you might need him there yeah so, it's, like, it's a secret war plot Doom's, play. Doctor Doom's cloud service is really good. <laughs> and I mean, it is kind of surprising though that Nintendo and Sony would go with Microsoft instead of working with like Amazon on AWS. I think the existential threat element of of sort of these other giant tech companies moving in on this space is a strong motivator with them here. Do you think it's like a case where the, like the three are like, look, we need to band De together? The devil you do know. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about, but they're like fighting with each other for survival. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm gonna hammer it repeatedly. X the X Men do team up with Magneto when they have to fight the <laughs> yeah, humans. It's true. That's a good point. Uh, and if there's anything that's equivalent to Sentinels, it's got to be Google and Apple, right? Yeah. Now, Nintendo, what it's getting out of it, I totally get it. Nintendo is not interested in investing a ton of money in infrastructure. And right. This only benefits them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, it's already worked with, like, Ubisoft and Capcom yeah. It's on not streaming. their wheelhouse. It's, yeah. It's, it makes yeah. perfect sense. But the Sony part of it, to me, is just like... I mean, wow. the more Sony can admit that, like, hey, we can't do everything ourselves. We're not the best in the in the business at, at everything, everything anymore. Like, if we ever were. Um, yeah. Well, they've always thought that they were. Yeah. But, like, we all knew. Yeah. I mean, it. Sony's eating some humble pie here, for sure. Yeah. And, it, you know, PlayStation is the most successful division, but the people running that company are the ones that have to make this, call, this kind of call. So. And if you look at it from Microsoft's perspective, this is really smart. Because if you ever decide you know what, we don't really want to make hardware anymore. You're still making money off the console industry. Yeah. If you've set all this up for Nintendo and Sony, you're just making money for doing yeah. nothing. And you have an established relationship with both of the other competitors. If you like, want to hey, start... we're just going to go Sega now. Right. And if you want to start releasing your games for every platform, it, that, that relationship there. Here's some Banjo-Kazooie games. Yep, exactly. Here's a Halo game, Sony. Yep, you absolutely. Know, like, if, it, that, if that day ever were to come... They're setting the table for it right yeah. now. It's a big, big deal. So big that I am surprised that this, they didn't yeah. wait for E3 to announce it. And it ties in with sort of that, you know, I know Gates isn't there anymore. It ties in, you know, the Xbox division got started in the late 90s because he said, 
Interactive entertainment is the future. It's the 21st century. We have to own it, own it at all costs. And, and like they've tried. They've tried, and like this is a pretty interesting step towards a roundabout way of doing that because it's Microsoft recognizing that the, that the, the, the world is changing. Think about this. Having the top console doesn't necessarily mean you win anymore in that regard. See, the way this has worked in the past is whoever controls the medium mm-hmm. makes the money. Mm-hmm. So in Japan, during like the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 era, for whatever reason, Koei had like the rights to reproduce CD-ROMs in Japan. Hmm. So it was making money off of every PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. A couple pennies, but that adds up real fast. Yeah. We were talking about platforms like that. Now... You can't really do that anymore because the medium is going away, but Microsoft has found a way to make money off of every sale still, despite the fact that there's no physical media. It's genius. And Microsoft had the money, the motivation, because look, the the framework that this is going to go on is a framework that's going to be used for tons of crap. Mm -hmm. But Microsoft needed to build it for the tons of crap and it just so happens that, hey, hey here's we this, have crap, yeah, too. Here's this yeah. whole other splinter business that yeah. could just churn, churn profits for Microsoft. I mean, this is probably the, the, like the wildest dream of when they established this, this initiative. Oh, yeah. For internal at Microsoft. Like, what if we could do that? That'd be who, crazy. If you were the person who was in the meeting that was like, why don't we sell this to Sony and, and Nintendo? I guarantee you were promoted up like three rungs mm. since that day. Because Good call, Jenkins. Yeah, whoever it is, I'm sure is making bank at this point because it is a brilliant idea. Using technology that you've built for other purposes, it's, it's a win-win-win, mm. literally, for Microsoft. And it's a win for especially Nintendo and probably Sony. Um, it'll yeah, be interesting I- to see what happens to PlayStation now, though. Um, might improve. I mean, <laughs> right, but I mean, are they going to have to completely just, are they just going to get rid of Gaikai and just start from scratch using this new tech? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, that seems like a pretty massive shift as opposed to just sort of using this as a thing kind of going forward. Um, but I would guess we won't find out that kind of detail for sure until we see what they're going to do software-wise with the PlayStation 5. Yeah. That'll be a real interesting, real interesting to see who's got their copyrights on things. It's also they... really interesting to see all this news break just before the next gen comes, and these platform holders can use it mm-hmm. to their advantage. So now it's like a, a part of PlayStation Five that I'm intrigued about. It's another part of the hardware that we don't know about yet uh, that has vast possibilities and has me really excited. Like they could do some really cool stuff on PlayStation Five in the cloud, in Microsoft's cloud. It's really bizarre. And also, from that perspective, it's good to have more people working on it because all, sh- all boats are going to rise. As people get better at working with the cloud, Microsoft's going to learn stuff from them. They're going to learn a ton from Microsoft, particularly right out of the gate. It's just, it's perfect. I wish stuff like this happened more often and people weren't so walled off in our industry and kind of exclusatory like, like it is. Um, I mean, I that's it, just how companies work. And, to some extent, like... I just think it would also just create a better vibe in our industry in general. Like, I just feel like it would start squashing some of the fanboy bullshit that we have to put up with all the time. Not just us, but publishers and developers. And it would just stop create. It would stop engendering this me versus them mentality that we get online. So I don't much. think that's related at all. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the corporate lords are doing. 
the, the, the me versus them kind of console war mentality comes out of it, it grew up spontaneously out of no competition like that back in the old days anyway. It's always, it's always going to happen when people have to spend their money on one thing or not another. It used to be way more cutthroat, Matt. Remember the you got obviously you remember the Nintendo and all the and the Crash Bandicoot. I mean, they used to go at each other. And to oh, me, yeah. it's not a hundred percent responsible for the state that we're in with fanboys, but it's at least partially responsible for it. And so I feel like these guys coming together could be at least a little bit partially responsible for that eventually going away. It will never go away. No, I, I agree. I mean, cause it will never go away as long as you have to buy one everything. thing or the other. Like, fanboys started in gaming, but now it's just spread like a mm -hmm. virus to, like, everything. It, it, I hate it. I really do. But it, you can't stop it. But I think... I mean, I've already seen people angry that this this thing is happening. <laughs> That's so pathetic. Because they see it as a betrayal or whatever. <sighs> anyway, I do think that these three banding together for the first time ever... It at least sends a little bit of a message well, to to people who are sane, Matt. Outside of look, the, there are some people who are psychos that are, it's not going to The people who are it. sane don't need to hear that message. No, there are some sane people out there that are fanboys, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, that's that, that's a conflicting definition. To <laughs> like an oxymoron. But um, I don't know. Like uh, they all stood on stage at the Game Awards too. So. Yeah, although it was a little weird. A little weird, but they now, did it, and now one of them is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting to see what Jeff tries to do uh, this year <laughs> with Bowser. Mm. You know, there'll be some Bowser gag oh, yeah. with Bowser. It's just the lowest hanging fruit, which is what award shows do. So, so there you go. That's our take on that. I think we may get more information at E3 about it, more details about it. Um, I think both of us agree, no matter what, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I, I personally can't see any issues with any of it, unless the tech sucks. And they're all using the same tech. That is the one way it could be bad. Yeah, but I mean, you'll still have their own solutions for things as well. I mean, so they'll just we'll turn see. PlayStation Now back on. Well, PlayStation <laughs> Now is—I don't think it's going to go away. I mean, I—I I, oh, don't. No. Why would it? Well, I mean, they're going to keep calling it PlayStation Now, but it's going to be running on an entire different, entirely different framework. And I don't. But is that what that that is? Yeah, I mean, it's game streaming tech, yeah. Mm, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see, but I don't see, I don't see Sony quite giving up on the Gaikai tech, um, just for the sake of, like, it's in-house. They've um, made their money back, though. They have almost a million subscribers, giving them 10 bucks a month or whatever. They made their money back on Gaikai and mm. all that crap. Ultimately, they, I think they just want to be able to give their customers the best experience, which I, I guess, appreciate. I guess, but I'm just not, I'm still not quite clear on what the tech they're talking about is going to be for. Well, it's Azure, which is like their, it's xCloud, the mm -hmm. cloud gaming stuff that Microsoft's been working on all this time. But would that... There's been like three different names for it. Right. Way. But would that be like for like a replacement for Gaikai, or would it be more of like a, like a Xbox Anywhere idea, or in terms of like kind of streaming stuff from to other devices in the house i mean all the all the information i read about it was game streaming streaming mm -hmm. games well one way or the other i think it's a direct response to the stadia thing sure oh yeah absolutely oh yeah without a doubt and that's good like it's like people were salty about oh, google yeah. stadia and what did we say we said it's good 
Getting more competitors into the market mm. is going to make everybody strive to get better. That's why we talk about it all the time. Now we have a last alliance of dwarves and men. Yeah, but now we see... Elves that, and men. Here's a perfect example of... Who is the dwarf? Is Nintendo the dwarf? I guess. <laughs> Only because the Switch is so small. Yeah, because <laughs> Gimli's portable. Right. <laughs> Put him in your pocket. All right, let's move on to our last topic for episode 169, and that is Rage 2, our final takes on the game. Um, By the time we talked about it last week, I thought I was at the end of the game, and as it turns out, I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went home and I played it for a couple more hours, and I had finished it. Uh, Since then, you have finished it. Mm. I've published my game eval. If you haven't read it, uh, there's probably going to, if you have read it, there's going to be some redundancies in this discussion. Hopefully, you can bear with us. If you haven't read it, you're going to hear about my final takes on it. And Matt, really, you'd only played, what, two hours last week? Two or three hours. So, we're going to hear Matt's full on take on Rage 2. I guess the way to start it first is Has any of your impressions, have any of your impressions changed drastically from last week? I wouldn't say drastically, but I did get tired of it more um and normally with like open world stuff i will go kind of obsessively do everything on the map and i got about two-thirds of the of done with the with the whole map probably and at a certain point i just like was like you know what i'm just gonna finish this like i'm done like it's i enjoy i still enjoy the shooting i like uh how it feels to blow stuff up and hit things in the head but um <laughs> there was just a point at which i'm like i gotta keep i gotta move on with my life <laughs> like you know and you're right it was really short it's yeah. just like like the main story was like sh- like just cause two short like just cause two has like did the thing where it was like i think you had uh, like maybe three missions here and then it was like almost over like it was, this was similar it's uh, the three guy the three characters you have to go find they each give you i think three missions each with like multiple parts and then once those are done you go to the final mission and it's over basically you have to get each of those up to level five yeah like once they're at level five then you can go to the end game there's already a, a guy who has finished it in two hours wow um Using some some speed run tricks and some kind of you know double jump outside the you know, bounding boxes, uh, but he you know he gets through the main campaign in two hours. It was funny the other day uh, on Facebook I saw and I'm not going to name who it was, but I saw a very prominent industry person talking. He had they, the sales numbers for Rage Two had come out and he was commenting on the sales numbers and he said, "See, this is why these hundred plus hour games are not going to last." And I was like. Uh, Rage 2 is only 12 hours long, and he argued with me. Hmm. I was like... About what? The, about the length! He's like, there's no way it's 12 hours long. I'm like, it absolutely is 12 yeah, hours long. I'd say it's less than that if you beeline. Yeah, I mean, like, I, don't even, I don't know. I, I think playing it organically is going to take you around yeah, that like long. Yeah, but if you, like, if you buckle down and really ignore uh, side stuff and just play it, like, I, bet you could, I bet you could do it pretty easy in 8. Yeah, probably so. Um, it took me longer. I mean, it took me like 15 or something like that. Um, but I did a ton of You did way more than stuff. I did. Like, I saw my, you You went way farther than I did. My, I mean, my character level, you know, my, you know, mission giver character levels, they're like 13, 14. Yeah, each. mine, mine, um, I, I have all... I literally got two of them to five and one of them to level seven, yeah, I and have, I went straight to the end game. My guns are all upgraded. I have all the, the, um, all the perks I could want. The only perks I don't have, like, are things I don't care about. Um, oh, I finished the game... With only half of each tree done, uh, I d- had not even half of the weapons. It's not what I would describe as a challenge. No. Overall. No, it wasn't really hard at all. In fact, even like the end game, I think I died once mm-hmm. in the whole end game. Like I didn't die. Maybe I think I died once on the final boss. 
I once. died once because the I you start out in a tank in that mission and I got stuck on something. Oh. And then I just got blown up because if you're not moving, you're dying. You, yeah. Basically. Um, it was fine. Like it was like the story is not good. Nope. Um. I think it's terrible. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just you're being kind. I think the other thing is like I, one of the, the one of the things that bothered me that like I guess is weird, but one of the things that bothered me about the story was that the characters kept using like food idioms that are like but, but like like the, like the the race the guy who runs the races is like it's like you'll be you'll be going faster than butter sliding off pancakes, and I'm like, why do you know what pancakes are? Yeah, you've never eaten pancakes. For that matter, why do you know what? butter is yeah, like, you've never eaten butter either like there's a lot of there's a lot of like weird little yeah. food references and i think he mentioned script is just terrible mentions gumbo at one point like, <laughs> there's been a, there was a lot of references i'm like i don't think someone who's like 30 years after a an apocalypse. Year post, post apocalypse is gonna know what that is i haven't even seen a cow yeah you know, so um yeah i thought that was odd there's a lot of and you know there's, like, there's typos all through i didn't run into all the bugs people i didn't were talking about i didn't either um, I had a few, I had a few more menu crashes. Like I think the menus hard crashed like f- six times over the course of playing it. Um, I had like nothing. Like I had the problem with the waypoint disappearing, that was on the stream mm-hmm. when I first played the first hour. That continued to be a problem until I finished the game, mm-hmm. and I just would see like, like something explode like in the distance, but mm-hmm. like there's nothing there. Like I just <laughs> see little poofs of smoke just appearing, like. Like little things like that, but I never had like the game break. I had yeah. problems like when I try to talk to characters, it wouldn't register that I was hitting square to start the conversation sometimes. Mm. But that's it. Like the people saying that it's like a broken mess, like they played a different game than I did. Like I played on PS4 Pro. I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't see much in, in the way of that. I just found I thought the, I thought the vehicle combat is terrible. I didn't even. Um, you don't have to do it. That's that's the thing with this game. You don't really have to do anything. Yeah. You like you can a lot. seriously, like you don't have to worry about collecting a bunch of stuff or solving twenty five yeah. missions of this type. Really, like at one point early on, one of the mission trees, you have to win a race and you have to win one of the like the monster bash or mutant bash arena things. And you and never have it. to do you it never again. Never do any of that ever again. I like it that way. Like I like this. I like. I I think this game could have done a better job of providing long-term prospects that actually make people want to stick with it. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with a game that one person can play for a hundred hours and I can play for 15 hours. Like I'm totally fine with that. Like Mm -hmm. if I want to just spend 15 or 20 hours to get to the end of the main story arc, I'm totally fine with that. If someone else wants to spend a hundred hours doing it. I I think I would modify what I said. I think, I don't think I would say this is a full price game anymore. I think it's probably probably a 40, $40 game. I would say I'd be happy if I'd paid forty for this. I don't know. I, I I got it for free, but I wouldn't regret spending sixty bucks on it. I had a lot of fun with it while it lasted. To be honest yeah. with you, I'll say this: when I finished it, what I was wanted that. To... It was that? Yeah, imagery. That's that wasn't in the game. I'll say this: when I finished it, I wanted to finish it. I was. Yeah, but I was that's... done. I was definitely done. Yeah, but the game ends like right when it gets to that point. Yeah. Also, it ends weird. Yeah, it like, does. Just like the first game. Just like the first game, it just sort of stops. Just stops. And like, you're like, wait a minute, was, I did a glitch. I thought it was, was glitching. Even, yeah, I thought I accidentally skipped some because, yeah. it, like, at the end, like the one of your friends finds you at where the final boss fight happens, and they go to pick you up to help you up, and then it just cuts to credits. Just like, like abruptly boom, and weirdly. I'm like, did I did I hit a button? Did I? Miss I thought something? I did the same thing. And then it goes back to the title screen, and you can either hit resume game or abandon mission. 
I was like, oh, what? So I just hit resume game. And then it's the end of the cut. Like, it's like the cut scene that kind of brings you back into, like, the open world for, like, post-game stuff. It tells you stuff. what's going to happen afterwards. And, yeah. like, that's when the achievement pops for finishing the game. Like, that yeah. is the weirdest way to do that I've it ever seen. It was so seen. weird. As soon as I got done, I went on YouTube to watch the ending to make sure it wasn't yeah. just me. And sure enough, that's the way it is for everybody. Is there just it just cuts? And now awkwardly. I wonder what happens if you go abandon quest. If you like, I don't know. If you lose all your progress on that final mission. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, very strange. I mean, I would probably go back and play like the DLC they're gonna do. If like, they later do, on. I will too. I'll go back and play it because I'm not burnt out on it because I didn't no. play it for 80 hours or whatever. Like I've played a lot of games in the last like two years. It's like. Also, I still think the wing the wing stick is useless. Yeah, I, I, I never I, even I, hardly used it. I used it just to know that I didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never I, used it. Yeah, again. I guess it's probably useful if you upgraded in the, in the in the perk tree, but I never took any wing stick. I mean, perks. honestly, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in this trailer, like I never did, because mm -hmm. I just didn't level up that part of the tree, or I just didn't care. Yeah. Like, I, just, I mean, I will give it credit I didn't for need like the weapon. If you have a weapon you prefer, it will let you use that weapon. Yep, I use the assault the rifle whole, whole all time. the way through. Yeah, I use no an assault problem. rifle 98% of the time. I switch to the shotgun when I'm in a mutant nest, and that's about it. Yeah. But I, I, even to the end, I had a lot of fun playing this game. Playing it. The actual time I spent with the controller in my hand, mm -hmm. interacting and shooting stuff. I had a blast with it. Story didn't get any better. Like, the ending didn't change my mind in the story. Um, but I, if I had paid 60 bucks for it, I wouldn't regret it. Despite the fact that a lot of games now you're getting a hundred hours I, out I of, I feel like I still, I, in the end, I think I end up in the forty dollar camp. This not is, by I'll much, say this. but it's just it's just a little too, <clears throat> it's a little too empty in the end. And, and I think after enough time playing it, I realized that the the AI is just not on the level of Rage One. Like it's not. It's no. everything. There's a lot of cannon fodder happening, and like whereas in Rage One, one of the things I appreciated about it was like every enemy was a threat. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was like yep. you saw one of those guys like flipping off the wall towards you. You're like, oh, oh crap, I might die. I gotta, yeah, they're kind of desperately trying. You know, until I you, feel like, like those sections of this game were scripted and put in there just so people like me would be like, hey, it is kind of like the first Rage. Yeah, they, I mean, it's definitely there to kind of convince you it's the same series. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they actually pull it off too well. Not in the end. particularly. At least, at least once you get used to how it works and like you realize that like, like once you get that shotgun uh, upgraded a bit, like they they stand no chance. It is fun to use on them. I mean, you, you're knocking <laughs> them out of the air. You're knocking them off the walls. I mean, it's cool. It's it fun. does feel good. When but one a, jumps at you and you clip them yeah. like on the shoulder and then they spin away. Like, mm -hmm. there's some cool stuff in this game. It's good stuff. Yeah. But I would say. Um, in terms of a follow-up to what the, the the strong points of Rage were, not some. I, I feel like in the end this might have been a stronger game if it was more of a traditional linear shooter and not an open-world game. Yeah. And I'm speaking as someone who loves open-world stuff, but it's just like th this game shines the most when you're down in like a mission in a in a in a cave or in a in a facility and like you're 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 on a more of a guided experience. Um, I I don't think the uh, the open world has a whole lot to offer. Um, to the even at the point that I just started to feel burnt out on just liberating the goon camps and yeah. stuff after a while and it was yeah really... i don't disagree with you on any of that I and, will this, say and this, this is someone who did every single location on the assassin's creed odyssey map yeah okay everyone like, and i at certain, certain and also like i just didn't find transit that appealing like yeah it sucks and there's really only like four <laughs> fast travel points yeah. <laughs> if you have to do anything on the south part of the map forget it yeah like, it's just it's you got to drive all the way there yeah not that it takes that long because no, the map just, is not very but it's big. just so barren that there's nothing to do it's yeah. not interesting it's just a wasteland 
And one thing I will say is, and look, we we started Sifted as a gaming site for adults, and because we did that, the message actually got through, and we do have almost 100% adult players on the site. And what I hear from them a lot of times is, I can't spend an hour, 100 hours playing a game anymore. Mm. And a lot of them won't buy games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey because they know they're going to get 10 hours into it and probably never even hope to finish it. And this game has is kind of created for you. This is the kind of, is like Matt said, it's designed like the traditional linear shooter from the early aughts with a, an open world that's yeah, just kind of there a to be there. open world right. slapped on it. Yeah. It's there just to be there. So if you are a person who wants to be able to play a game for 10 to 20 hours instead of 60 to 80 mm -hmm. to get something out of it, this is a good choice for you. And I also will say that like the progression is pretty solid. Like You, you are a much more powerful character at the end of this game than you are oh, when yeah. you start. You, you got all, the, all the powers you unlock and all the various abilities you can upgrade like give you some real tangible advantages. Um, certainly by the end, I was almost invincible. <laughs> like... Just the, the, um, the yeah. different ways I could get health back and the different ways I could get ammo back were... That's how I put... I plugged all my points into that stuff. Because yeah. you kill... You got to the point where, like, on the final boss... And I don't want to spoil too much, but there are waves of enemies involved in the final boss fight. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really worry about how much damage I got by the boss because I knew yeah. when... You just get tons I just, of health out of them. I'd kill the enemies and I would have 100-plus yeah. health and good to go. Um, but again, that's a lot of that is how do you use your points and spend mm -hmm. your points basically and that's what i spent them all on and it paid off absolutely but i still had a good time with rage 2 i don't think it's for everybody uh but i think the group of people that i mentioned earlier will appreciate it and not mm -hmm. because the other thing too about the that group of people is they have a lot they have money it's money is not a problem for them they're they're long into their careers they're making good money they have lots of disposable income they just want to feel some type of reward for putting in 10 to 15 hours into a video game. And that's mm -hmm. become increasingly hard to find over the last few years. So in some ways, it's a throwback in good ways. In some ways, it's a throwback in bad ways. Yeah. I mean, I still enjoyed it. Me to too. End, yep. But... All the way to the end, I had a good time with it. So there you go. That's Rage 2, people. Um, hopefully, if any of you guys bought it based upon... Uh, how we discussed it last week, you're not disappointed in it. Um, I had a blast with it from start to end. And again, I did say this last week, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how important gameplay is to you. And that means the combat, the time spent in combat with a controller in your hands and not with it on your coffee table watching a cinematic. Mm -hmm. So with that, it's time for our trailer of the week. We've had weak trailers of the week, but this isn't one of them. Anytime Blizzard puts out a new piece of CG, it is going to be our trailer of the week, and that is the case this week. Uh, we have a CG trailer for World of Warcraft called Safe Haven.
So, this is home now. Home. Family. And where are they? Not far. This world... Well, it looks good. But it's wrong. Broken. Falling apart. Just like the Horde. she's done while you've been hiding. I left that life behind. I'm no one's savior. I will not lead the Horde. I didn't ask. But I hoped you would at least fight for it. I'm not a big World of Warcraft guy. In fact, I'm not a World of Warcraft guy at all. But people tell me that this is like a big reunion or something. It's the return of Thrall, who's a big, uh, important character in the lore. From like the vanilla World of Warcraft or from Warcraft? Um, Warcraft, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. OG then. Yeah. I don't know the lore very well either. I don't know where he's been or whatever. Or maybe he was like the orc main character in the beginning, like vanilla World of Warcraft. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't pay attention to that either, really. <laughs> like the like the um, if you watch the movie, like one of the I big, did watch one it. of the big setups of the movie is the birth of Thrall. Oh uh, yeah, I like, vaguely remember that. Yeah, that movie was not great. No. Yeah, another but, bad video game movie. Not on that one. It seemed though. like they spent a, yeah they seemed to spend a lot more money on that one. Oh, they spent a fair amount, but it was a, it was huge in China, so there might still be a follow up one day. But really, we'll see.
Yeah. China. <laughs> it, it got uh, it got Pacific Rim 2 made. It did. Yeah. yeah. They love it. Okay, before we get on with our Q&A, it's time for a word from our sponsor. DeShazer Ryan Realty has been leading Northwest Montana real estate sales for over 30 years. It's family owned and operated with the knowledge to help you find your own unique piece of Montana. Visit DeShazerRyanRealty.com and there you'll find every property currently listed for sale in Montana. Or call 406-293-7706 and ask for Doug to get the ball rolling. Enjoy breathtaking mountain views of Montana on three and a half acres in less than 10 minutes from town. The property borders a county-maintained road with access to tons of wildlife. It's priced to sell at $39.9. If you aren't able to relocate to God's country, don't worry, sifters. Doug DeShazer specializes in finding you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live. He's facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. Feel free to email Doug with any questions at DeShazerMT at gmail.com. That's DeShazer Ryan Realty at DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, DeShazer Ryan Realty. Uh, check them out, guys. Obviously, we want to support our sponsors so that they come back, and we'd really appreciate it. If you guys are looking for a property or a home anywhere in the U.S., give them a call. Let's get to some Q&A. Uh, we got a bunch of questions in here. Oh, wow. A ton. Uh, w. Matthew, always answer one of his. What's your guys' opinion on the Division II raid controversy? Um, the PC version was way easier than the console version, and uh, game recognized first group to clear regardless of platform in-game, so console players had no shot at it. I'm not sure I understand all that, but I know the aiming was easier in the PC mm -hmm. version, and so the raid was easier in the PC version. Yeah. Is that what the controversy is about? Yeah, and also like there was like a I guess a bragging rights or whatever over who who cleared the raid first. They do. And, I mean, that is a thing. And the console people had no chance to be that. So it's I mean, so somebody's boohooing that they didn't I mean, get their glory. To some degree, go outside. Yeah. On the other, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get. It's like it's weird that that was not tested more properly. Do you think they should have nerfed the raid for the console version? Well, it sounds like if you can't make the shot properly with an analog stick, you haven't balanced it properly. Has nobody platform. beat the raid on consoles? I don't know. I haven't been following too closely. The problem was the weak spots on like some well, the raid boss or whatever are too small to act too reliably hit with a console controller. Uh, and with a mouse and keyboard, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean... I don't really care about who beat the raid first. Like that's well, the problem just petty, wasn't, dumb well, the problem wasn't like me, but... beating the raid first so much as the console players were not able to do it. Oh, now if if no one's been able to beat it on consoles, then yeah, they need to fix it. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was nobody, but it was like the vast majority of people who tried it were unable to do it. Okay, yeah, then they probably need to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, if you have that many people trying to complete, yeah, your, your game should them. be completable. Yeah, I mean the raid, <laughs> the raid shouldn't be easy. Because people waited a long time for it, yeah. and if they, people were able to beat it, like, first try in, like, an hour or whatever, people would be pissed off about that, but... No, it's, I mean, I think, I think, don't quote me, but I think a couple people, groups have done it, but it's, like, not something that you would be able to do without, like, a... Like, like a pro or... A real, a real concentrated effort. Yeah, basically. I also heard that the, like, the, the requirements that they tell you are actually, they should be way higher. 
Mm. Like, I guess the the leveling requirements, like if you actually go in at the level that they say you can go, like you have like no chance. Mm. You're just a burden on your team, basically. So Interesting. It sounds like it needs some tweaking no matter what, and uh, they should do it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Super Corn on Blue, would you rather watch a film based on PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale? It's actually rumored that there is a Smash Brothers film in the works. Who beats who at the box office, LOL? <laughs> nah, no, I mean, that's... Let's, the, just, let's just pretend PlayStation All-Stars didn't happen. Let's also pretend that a Smash Brothers movie isn't going to happen, because both of them are terrible ideas. <laughs> you don't want to see the subspace emissary on the big screen? I really don't. Definitely not. Um, I think it's... I don't know. It's like purple on black. It's hard for me to read it. OCD Master 1? I think. Uh, with backwards compatibility being a big talking point for next-gen hardware, do you think either the PS5 or next Xbox will let you carry over your current game library the same way you can access your Steam account from a new PC? If Sony or Microsoft wanted to do it, would they need the publishers to be on board with it? Oh, absolutely, I think they're, they're going to do that. They're completely insane if you don't carry your library No, it's over. absolutely going to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. It's, no. it's happening, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're demoing the PlayStation 5 hardware with a PlayStation 4 game and how much faster it loads and the detail it adds, yeah, you're going to play your entire PS4 library on the PS4. Absolutely. I mean, look, all my games I bought on Xbox 360 are yeah. still in my library. Yeah, Microsoft's already, I mean, that's been their strategy for even longer. Already. All along, yep. I mean, I'm playing Xbox original Xbox games on my Xbox One that just got made compatible this year. It's crazy. Yeah. It's great, but it's crazy. It is. Uh, let's see. Derek D111. If this Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft partnership works, do you think Apple, Amazon, and Google will respond? Uh, that seems like a taller order. Those companies are not... They, they don't need to team yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are kind of defending their, their, only, their, turf. their only turf. Yeah. Whereas if, if, if the Stadia doesn't work, Google's just like, oh, well. Whatever. Yeah. It's another failed thing we spend a billion dollars yeah. on. We'll make that up on YouTube tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't they see function the in a whole different stratosphere of yeah, business. Yeah, like, the scale is just not comparable. I mean, honestly, even Microsoft is kind of there. I mean, it, it goes it back is. to what I was saying about how they built this for a bunch of other stuff, but now they're able to use it for it gaming. It is, but the Xbox division's got to earn its keep. Absolutely. Uh, Joaquin Dragoon, have you ever played mods in your games? If so, what games? Lately, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII again with mods, and I love it. No, I never really played with mods. I did use the was it the was it Doom that had the flashlight mod. Right, yeah, the Doom 3. Yeah, I use that. But that was like, it became a part of the game like a week later, so. I mean, I do. I, you know, every time I've played Skyrim or like stuff like that, like that Bethesda stuff on PC, I've modded the hell out of it. Like, but Skyrim, my PC version of Skyrim Special Edition has something like 50 or 60 mods active on it. And it's, Damn. And it's almost all like co cosmetic, like, you know, better snow, better weather, better textures, better, you know, all that kind of, you know, the, the unofficial patch that fixes a bunch of stuff that Bethesda never fixed. Similar things in Fallout. You cannot play. Like they Fallout. haven't made enough money off Skyrim to go back and fix it themselves. You cannot play Fallout New Vegas without modding the shit out of it. Um, that kind of thing. Um, American Truck Simulator and European Truck Simulator. I use a lot of mods on. Really, uh, I've watched a lot of videos of mods and stuff. 
There's some great Skyrim mods. Oh, yeah. Not just stuff like you said, but, like, just crazy, wacky, like... Oh, there's also just, like, great, like, actual, like, content expansion yeah. mods. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I use, I use them for that. Uh, I don't use them for, uh, like, cheat stuff very often, really. Um, I used a mod on Witcher 3 on PC to get rid of the carry limit, though, because I, like hey. I don't like weight limits. Yeah, why not? Um, oh, I hate encumbrance, man. In basically, any game. And I, in, in updates since, the, that was at launch, updates since then, they've, they've changed what weighs something or weighs a lot or whatever, and like it's much more, I played it on the Xbox One X with no mods at all, and it was fine. Like, I, I never felt like I couldn't carry enough. But at launch around that window, I, th I think your, your inventory is way too limited, so I just got rid of it. And I, I tell you, it would have taken me an extra day or two to get through all the question marks in Skellige if I hadn't been able to... Just carry as many pants as I needed to carry from all the treasure chests, like cat. Because <laughs> at a certain point, they just start giving you a lot of armor out of those like underwater like things. Yeah. And I, like, if I had to keep traveling back and forth to sell stuff and that, I never would have finished it. So yeah, that was a good mod. Uh, Vincent, sifted. Uh, MPDs are out, and not only did MK11, Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, beat Days Gone to top the charts. It topped all three console charts, even Switch. Are you surprised? Especially after Days Gone success in the UK and Japan. Well, let me tell you about the success of Days Gone in the UK and Japan. I got in a Twitter spat with someone over this the other day. Did you see this? Mm -mm. So apparently there's some guy who has goes on NeoGAF or Reset Era or something who has been giving those forums retail sales data. And he... He contends that Days Gone is a smash global hit. And uh, initially, when we started the conversation, I thought he was only basing it up on the sales of Japan and the UK, which is how the conversation started. Because I started talking with someone, they're like, oh, it's selling big in Japan and the UK. And then I said, that doesn't matter. And then this guy, the sales guy from the forums, comes in and says, uh, it's a it's a smash global hit, and I was like, uh, based upon Japan and UK sales, that's a bet. He's like, I have the data, and then I said, okay, where are you getting MPD data from? Because it hasn't come out yet, and they haven't done dailies and weeklies since 2003. And then he says, I don't use MPD data, and then I said, then your numbers are garbage. And then he tried to say he worked in retail. And I'm like, bro, people who work at GameStop don't have access to sales data, man. That's why MPD can sell it for $40,000. Like, if you could get it from GameStop, why would anybody pay for those numbers? And he, he didn't back down. And I honestly don't know who he is. I'd never heard of him. He could be telling the truth, so I backed down. I'm like, look, I don't know you, and I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but I think you're full of shit. So, so he's basically asking the same question, like... Based on the sales in the UK and Japan, they mean nothing. Nothing. I mean, Days Gone is still number two after Mortal Kombat. I'm sure. On MPDs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was any doubt that Mortal Kombat was going to win the month. Yeah. Uh, on every, I'm not surprised that Mortal all Kombat's it won a, yeah, on Mortal every Kombat's platform. Mortal a juggernaut. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's, I'm not surprised at all by any of that. No. But Days Gone clearly sold fine. I yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a global smash hit yet. Like, well, the other, the, what prompted the whole thing was... You're talking about God of War numbers? Like, I don't think so. No way. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Because yeah. the whole discussion was, is it going to get a sequel? Mm -hmm. And I, as of right now, I don't know. I haven't seen the hard number. When I hang out with Pac again, he'll probably tell me exactly how much it sold if they haven't announced it already. If they have, by the way, if they haven't announced it already, it did not sell great. <laughs> if the, it mm. sold great, 
they'd tell you that it sold great like they did with God of War and Spider-Man and any other game that sells through the stratosphere. The fact that they had not put out a press release yet about Days Gone in that entire time told me that it, it maybe it's selling okay, it's not a global hit, mm -hmm. or they would have trumpeted those numbers. So looking at sales in Japan or the UK, it, it's a fool's errand. It does not tell you anything about how that game is going to do in North America, which I hate to tell you is really what matters. Um, not to discount people who buy games or play games in Europe or wherever, but the bulk of sales for a global smash hit come from North America. They come from the United States and Canada and Mexico. That's where the bulk of the sales come from. So when someone says, oh my God, it sold so well, well it sold 114K in Japan. Mm. Like that's not move the needle numbers. Like when you're talking about, is a game gonna get a sequel or not? You're talking about millions, not hundreds of thousands. So- um, You're talking about how close did Days Gone get to 10 million copies Basically, sold. yeah, basically. That's like your baseline for a- yep for a big hit in-house Sony production. Yeah, that's the bar that Sony's looking at. And all I was mm -hmm. saying essentially was, it's not gonna hit that bar based upon mm -hmm. the release sales uh, in Japan and the UK. Now, Stranger Things have gotten sequels for, for yeah. sales of less than that, but... Honestly, I think if it hits five or six million, it will probably get a sequel. Yeah. Because that's showing enough promise that, okay, they can build on this, and with the sequel, probably do better. Yeah, and you and you got to factor in if you're Sony, you got to factor in that like, it's not Spider-Man, the biggest superhero brand in the world. Yeah, it's a new IP, and it's not God of War, which is a very established IP. Mm -hmm. It's a brand new thing that, quite frankly, looks really drab and boring in commercials. I'm sorry, I didn't. I mean, it does. Yeah. I've played a fair amount of it, and it's it's fine. But like, I if I hadn't had to talk about it on a web show, I would not have played it at all yet. So Well, it's... to continue the story I was telling earlier about the prominent industry person on Facebook saying that Rage 2 was another 100-hour bloated game and I don't mm. want to deal with these games anymore. I also told him, if you're looking for that, yeah. that's Days that's Gone. Days gone. Yeah. That's the bloated 100-hour. Days Gone doesn't fucking end. It like, never it's... ends. It is gigantic. Um, some people would say you can't get enough of a good thing, but I would argue that you're not getting a good thing the whole time you're playing that game. But, but yeah, I'm not surprised that Mortal Kombat 11 sold that well at all. I expected it. I would have been shocked if it wasn't number one on mm. all three platforms, particularly Switch. I mean, it, it, the way he worded it, it was kind of like, wow, and Switch. Like, no, Switch was the given. Like, mm -hmm. Switch was undoubtedly the platform it was going to sell best on, without a doubt, because there just isn't a lot, a lot of big-budget software coming out for Switch. So... I mean, Saints Row isn't going to knock off Mortal Kombat yeah, you, don't, you don't get a lot of current-gen multi-platform releases on no. Switch. Uh, especially day and date Yeah, with the other platforms. Uh, let's see, we'll answer a couple more. Oh, freeze frame rate. Thank you for subscribing uh, at Tier 1. It's not even Twitch Prime. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, Two Quick Capri. Thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Um, Ian Esquire, thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. A lot of you guys have been doing it later in the show. This is great. Um, Joaquin Dragoon, I think you gave us bits. Thank you. Freeze frame rate, it looks like you gave us... Yeah, I don't even... I guess he just bought the subscription on. Yeah, because his, his, uh, he canceled his Prime. Wow, okay. You canceled Prime? Who does that? He does. People who don't... Buy anything, people I guess. Don't, people don't imp get, get deliveries. Yeah. yeah, I already have made. I, you know, obviously, I renewed it at the beginning of the year. I've already made my money back on Amazon Prime like five times over, and it's only May. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. But thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, here's another one. Mike's Q. Thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Uh, and I think that's it for the thank you. Let's get through a couple more questions here. Do you have anything queued up there? Um... Oh, again, don't forget, we announced the winners of the Loot Crates for May. It's on Sifted and on our Patreon page. Vic 7 with how terrible the final season of Game of Thrones was for me, I felt like I relived my experience with all of Mass Effect 3 in a TV show. Can you guys recall any games or series that just missed the mark or has a terrible ending or final entry? Uh, first, I and would we say, just mentioned them. <laughs> we just yeah. mentioned Rage. Rage 1 and 2. Both Ra- of them. Rage 1 and 2 do have weird endings. Yeah. Uh, I would also argue that Mass Effect 3 is not a great comparison to Game of Thrones because Mass Effect 3, 3's problem is that very end where you're like, wait, what? And I'd say the rest of Mass Effect 3 is actually a really good ending. Like, as a whole, like if you take the whole game as the ending. Yeah. Like you because s- you're right. It you is say goodbye to all the characters <laughs> over the yeah. course of the whole thing. That's so that's, that works pretty well. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Other series that I, I mean, if you want to talk TV shows, I don't know if any show has ever hit the wall as hard as Lost. Lost, yeah, um, Lost is the absolute worst for me. Yeah, it's in its own league. Uh, I'm trying to think of a game. And it was, it wasn't even because it was bad, which it was, but it was because everybody was right all along. <laughs> it's like every what you guessed on the first episode of Lost is exactly what was happening. And they told you over and over and over again, no, 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 no. They're not in purgatory. They're not in purgatory. Oh, they absolutely are. They're well, in then, purgatory. Well, then there's still, there's still YouTube arguments. Over oh, I know. I've on. seen them. But they like, were in purgatory. The main thing for Unlost for me was that final season was entirely advertised with the answers are coming right. or whatever. And the <laughs> answers are stupid. Yeah. Um, games with bad endings. Um, I think the Mass Effect 3 ending is more or less fine once you add the, the extra DLC. The, free DLC they added in. And to me, the ending of Mass Effect is the Citadel DLC party where they, oh, yeah. where they all hang out together for one last time. That's, yeah. that's, that's the ending I needed. Yep. Um, games with bad endings. Now I'm running through everything. I mean, you could go back I mean, to... the wor- probably the worst ending is Knights of the Old Republic 2, which wasn't finished. Right, yeah. And you just got characters standing around on a moon. It was like broken, yeah. Not saying anything and <laughs> looking at each other and then it just cuts to another. You're like, what the hell is going on? I mean, the, they've fixed that now with the the the, the user, the, you know, the, the, the community-made patch that restores all that content. Yeah. But uh, when I remember I remember playing that to review it on the first Xbox and that at, at the very end, I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, it was, it was like some kind of like magical, realist, absurdist play. It was very weird. I mean, every N64 game has a terrible ending. <laughs> they all do because they had Conquerors to, was good. Because they, yeah, Con- I mean, Conquer was the, was the exception to every N64 right. rule. It was the sterling example of what was possible on that hardware. But everybody else, they're like, really? You want me to build a cinematic in real time <laughs> using polygons? No, 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 no. We pay some studio to do that, to create CG, and then we just put it on this PlayStation disc. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just tell developers were like, no way in hell I'm creating... Even, like, some of Nintendo's games, like, had crappy endings. Like, anything from the early era, almost all of them had crappy endings. I think the... Uh, the I mean, I guess it was more s- standard then, but I think the most disappointing ending of all time for me was... Uh, my friend, uh, I had this friend that had a Sega Master System, and we were obsessed with finishing the Shinobi on it, because Shinobi is very different from the arcade. There was a much longer, more involved game. 
And so we spent weeks trying to work our way, taking turns on it, trying to get through it. And like, finally, I slept over one night at his place, and we were going, we're going to finish it. We finished it. Tonight. We finally, because we'd gotten to the end a couple times, we just get killed, we couldn't do it. We finally get to the end, and finally, I don't remember which one of us did it, but we beat it. And it's, when you beat Shinobi on the Master System, you hit the, you hit the, you get the last hit on the Masked Ninja, and he falls over in a two-frame animation, and it just cuts to black. Game over. <laughs> and then the title screen comes up, and we're like, what? Like, oh, we were so mad. I like, mean, all the 3D Marios, terrible endings. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many games with bad endings. We could go on all night. Um, also, Ian Esquire, thank you, man, for 20 straight months of subscribing with Twitch Prime. I didn't even know we had Twitch Prime for that long. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Ian, man. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, the stand user, Nino Kuni 2, Octopath, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, Persona 5 Royal. Though I'm interested in these JRPGs, I've moved away from the genre, which I used to spend most of my gaming and time playing, and have only been able to muster up the motivation to play about one a year. How has your interest in JRPGs evolved over the years? Um... I find, I find JRPGs harder to play these days just because so much of it is cheesecake nonsense. Um, or just the same thing over and over again. It's been so influenced by things like Sword Art Online or like things yeah. like that. I just don't have any interest in. Um, I used to be a big fan of the Tales games, and I've just sort of fallen out of those. Uh, I did, you know, obviously I played Persona 5. Um, I liked Octopath Traveler, although it, it was flawed, but I liked it because it was a, a kind of a throwback in but that see, regard. I, I, that, I did not enjoy Octopath Traveler as much as I probably should have because of Persona 5. Mm. And so to answer his question, as time has gone on, I need less and less JRPG in my life. When I was a kid, like my favorite games on like the Super Nintendo were all JRPGs, turn-based RPGs. I loved them. They were the best deal when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I can only get like three games a year. Well, I was buying like Final Fantasy. You better believe mm -hmm. it because I could play those games for a really long time. So... They were huge for me when I was young, and it seems like as time goes on, it's like it's my age, my age has gone up. My interest in the JRPG has gone down at like an equal rate. Yeah, I'm. St I mean, I'm still interested if the production value is to the level that like you can get. Persona. You can me. Persona Five. Persona Five. Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, Nino Kuni Two. Like you know, you, you you create that world. I mean, even Final Fantasy Seven Remake to some degree. I mean, like I'm interested to see what that world's like if you can actually see it as opposed to like being like, you know, static paintings with characters with no mouths or fingers. Like, there's, a, there's probably a change there. Um, <laughs> you would hope. Is, uh, yeah, we hope so. And, and then in terms of kind of more more throwback thing, um, if I want some kind of old school thing, uh, I find the Trails in the Sky slash Trails in Col of Cold Steel games are the 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 right replacement for the Suikadens that I miss from the old days. Um, and that's about it. I mean, I probably play like three a year in a good year. Uh, I'm way, right I'm way behind on the Trails games. I yeah. mean, that's, well, they're up, getting ready to hit the U.S. here soon. We got, we got two delays. more. Yeah, we got... Because Cold Steel 3 is going to hit this fall, I think, and then there's Cold Steel 4 still yep. to go, and then you're done. Um, but, yeah. it's it, The other thing is, like, they're just sort of few and far between in terms of when they make it here in, in terms... You know, if you're unless you're buy, playing, like, like I said, like Sword Art Online or, like, kind of those, like, weird... I don't even know what to, how to describe. So there's the B-list anime JRPGs that almost don't really feel like they're part of the same thing. Hyperdimension Neptunia, like stuff like that. Like I don't have any interest in that kind of thing. But here's an update from Glorious War. Sony also got a contract to sell semiconductors and image sensors to Microsoft. 
That's why Sony HQ chose Microsoft over other parties. Hmm. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's see if we can find one more question before we head off into the night. I also hope, uh, speaking of uh, Final Fantasy and, and JRPGs, I did notice that Square finally fixed the, uh, the music bug on the Final Fantasy VII remake, or Final Fantasy VII uh, remaster on, uh, I think, Switch and Xbox, where every time you go into a, a random battle, when you came back of the random battle, the music track would start over, which is annoying because then you never get to hear the whole mu music. It's very, it's distracting. It, it's in 7 and 8 and 9, um, all, the, all the, the things they brought, and they finally fixed it on 7, so hopefully they will continue to improve their incredibly half-assed overpriced ports. <laughs> uh, Chevelle Man, 1979, thank you for, for subscribing with Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Much love. Um, since Ian Esquire has subscribed for 20 straight months, we'll, the last question in it we'll answer is his. Um, why do you think the biggest shadow slash surprise announcement will be? I'm guessing he's saying E3. Yeah. By this I mean, do you think it will be a game, a service, update to an existing game console, etc.? I just mean uh, you don't have to say Assassin's Creed Vikings. <laughs> I mean, I would guess it would be a, a game. I don't think we're getting hardware this year. Uh, unless Nintendo's got some crazy alternate version of the Switch, they're ready to blow the doors off. Well, I mean, if you don't think that we're getting hardware, and then we do, that would be the biggest surprise. Yeah. But I do think we're going to get to see the next Xbox, so that wouldn't be a surprise to me. That would be a huge surprise to me. So, so that's your pick. Uh, to me, I mean... I think they'll talk about it, but the, if they, sh I wouldn't, they will not show it. Biggest surprise for me is something that was kind of confirmed today to be legit, and that's the George R.R. R. Martin From Software game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's looking more and more likely by the day that that's legit. Like, they're really... It's really happening. Yeah. He posted in a blog today that he, he's working on a posted, Japanese game. posted yesterday that he consulted on a game out of Japan. Out of Japan. And... Just that plus the rumors about Fr him working with FromSoft is like, that rumor is too weird to not be real. <laughs> like there are rumors floating that it's going to show up in Microsoft's press conference. Yeah. So if a Game of Thrones game... It's not Game of Thrones. It's not? It's an it's, it's a original thing. It's based uh, on Norse mythology. Uh, it's not eh, Game of Thrones. That, that definitely dashes my uh, anticipation for it a lot. Probably not yours, because you're a big From fan, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I mean, I do think that Norse mythology is kind of played out at this point. Like, between God of War and Thor. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of like, hey, where's my crazy batshit Egyptian mythology Right. <laughs> New quest, find Osiris's dick. Yeah. <laughs> Egyptian mythology is crazy. It really is. Like, it, it, it absolutely is. It would is. make a great game. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. we got to get out of here. We've, I think we've hit our uh, three-hour limit and then some... Thanks to everyone who stayed on the stream all the way to the end. There are dozens of questions in there that we can't get to. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. Um, but thanks for everyone who stayed on the stream. Thanks for everybody who's watching it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, help us out. Help a brother out. Subscribe via Twitch Prime. Or how about you go to patreon.com slash sifted and pledge. If y'all love Game Face as much as you say you do in the comments, it can't hurt you to kick us a dollar a month. We'd really appreciate it. E3 is coming. We're getting hype. Look for our plans real soon. We're going to try to do some different stuff that we've done in years prior, and I hope you guys are excited for it. I will be doing uh, Top 20 Most Anticipated E3 before the show. Vince is working on some cool stuff behind the scenes for E3. We're getting real hype for it. Hope you guys are too. We'll see you soon. Game Face is up and out.